Hello, I'm Tyler Smith, and this is More Than One Lesson, episode 136. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think if there's any announcements. We've got a guest, and that's very exciting. So I'm trying to think. I'm trying to get some. He does Thanks for the pre-appreciation. He does not seem to think it's very exciting. Who is this guy? Oy. But, um, but yeah, uh, the only announcement that I can think of, and it's, and it's a little bit early, but I wanted to let people know ahead of time. Uh, so like last year, this year I will be at Alpha Omega Con on September 19th. Um, it is in La Mirada. If you go to alphaomegacon.com, you can find the details, and uh, I will have a table there so you can come up and uh, meet me. But I will say, uh, it's it's not on the schedule yet, which makes me reluctant to say it, but it, it sounds like it's pretty confirmed that I will also be hosting a panel there uh, at uh, one about uh, film criticism and, and film analysis. And that will be at, uh, I believe, 1 p.m. But again, it's not on the schedule yet, so that is subject to change. And uh, maybe they'll pull the plug on the whole panel uh, in the first place. So don't quote me on that. So right now, the one thing I can confirm is that I will have a table so you can come and, and meet me. And I'll say this. I went, to the, I went to the convention last year. It was a lot of fun. This is not like the, uh, the International Christian Film Festival where it was a lot of people whose whose tastes were notably different than mine. Uh, these are Christian. Are you nerds. saying bad? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, okay. yeah. I'm trying to. You know, uh, listeners know uh, that most Christian film is terrible. Yeah, uh, I hope Kirk Cameron's not watch, uh, watching. Watching. I hope Kirk Cameron's watching. I hope he's not here. Well, yeah, I definitely hope he's not watching because it's not a video podcast. I know. Uh, I know. But I. But you know what? I hope he is listening. Kirk, demand more. Of yourself. Of yourself and others. Um, but no, this it's, it's uh, you know, this is going to sound weird, but like it's it's Christian nerds and they love movies and they love comic books and they love TV. And uh, so that's, that's very much uh, my people. And so uh, it was a lot of fun. So if you're in the Los Angeles, Orange County area on September 19th, then uh, come on over to Alpha Omega Con. It's, it's like five bucks to pre-register it's 10 bucks on the day so it's not going to set you back or anything so uh anyway just wanted to make that announcement and then um i will welcome in this week's co-host robert hornack robert howdy tyler how you doing i'm well how are you all right i'm doing okay how are you that's the question i'm fine okay did i ask already i, feel, I think you did all right i just that i guess i naturally times. assume that you're lying the first time <laughs> and then i want to say like peeling back the layers of truth yeah i want to say robert Look, what do you have a complete breakdown? <laughs> I'm he feeling says, really how tired. Are you? I can't worry. How much time do you have? <laughs> I'm not feeling quite as good as I did the first time you asked me. Okay, uh, see, that's the key. Mm-hmm. I just I want to say like, yes, I know you're doing fine, but Robert, really, how are you? How are you doing? I'm doing well, Tyler. Okay, all right. Oh, we're getting very, very Batman esque. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all right, and speaking of Batman, mm-hmm. it's not a good transition. Uh, it doesn't <laughs> at work at all. Uh, <laughs> So we do have a guest. You've already heard him talking before he was announced. I know. Which is always... <laughs> what the what? Encouraged. Fighting back my rage. Okay, <laughs> we're here now. Um, it is a, uh, a comedian and, uh, and just an all-around uh, iconoclast. Oh. That's right. Please, That's right. Ken Burns, live up, settle live down. To, live up to the name. Uh, it is uh, Vance Sanders. Vance, how you doing? Hello, world. I'm fine. How are you, Ty? How are you, Robert? How are you? I'm doing well. I heard you were fine. What do I you was mean fine well? at first. Come on, like a, they keep badgering me Don't with questions. Change lanes now. 
Uh, Vance, your your comedy uh, background is is betraying you because you keep projecting your voice, and I keep having to take your I'm mic sorry. Down. Am I too close? Uh, you're as close as I am, and yet somehow, uh, like you'll notice, Robert's level has to be way up because he's yeah. quiet and yeah. Yeah. quiet. Yeah, and then I'm right there in the middle, and then I got to take you way down. I know. I turned into Louis Anderson. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sam Kennison. Louis Anderson. Man, that is not a reference or a person I've thought of in a long time. I know. He's still around, though. I know, and he's and very, still funny. He's, I'm sure. Well, no. I'd go that far, but he's still around. Ooh, oh, he's boy. still around. Watch out. Throwing shade this early. What? So, okay, Vance, we're going to get to know you a little bit. Yes, Tyler. No, go ahead. <laughs> I, 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 I wasn't trying to cut you off. I was just agreeing with the stream here. Okay, fair enough. Um, if we are in a stream, indeed. Uh, we're not, not there yet, but you know what? We're about to veer right in. Uh, we're about in. to cross these streams. That's in. the way Let's I like it. Let's get our floaties on. Yeah. So, um, Vance, tell us about yourself. Where are you from originally? Uh, well, I, uh, I grew up in Oklahoma City. Okay. Uh, I mean, I was born in Ventura, California, actually. Hey, I lived there for a while. Really? Yeah. Whereabouts? I lived in Ventura for, um, in the Satakoy area. Okay. And then, uh, from 89 to 92. Oh, okay. That's, so. yeah, I lived there from... 54 to 60. <laughs> mm, I have to assume not much has changed, right? <laughs> I've gone, I haven't been back for a while. I've driven through there a lot going to Santa Barbara and up the mm-hmm. coast. But um, my parents are from Oklahoma. They, My dad was there uh, working on the offshore drilling rigs. I don't even think they... Is that still allowed or... Offshore drilling? I think so. I don't know. They put, the, they put all that money into making those giant rigs that look awesome and that I'd like to set foot on at one point. Yeah. I feel like they're probably not going to just let them. blow up in some Michael Bay movie or no, something. No, absolutely. They, I feel, there probably is an action movie that where the climax takes place on one of those, right? If not, there should be. That'd oh, be yeah. awesome. Have, do you know Michael Bay's made like a Benghazi movie? Do you know that? Yes, I read a bit of this. Yeah. I can't like, I can't imagine like that being anything based in fact at all because robots come in well, the and word save Benghazi them or something but what was that the word Benghazi is in it so that's sort of factual I uh, yeah I guess so yeah there was a thing that happened at Benghazi but I can't, so there is that I can't imagine him being the least bit it feels like it's yeah. like just the just the fact of him making a Benghazi movie seems disrespectful you know I mean I wasn't thrilled with Pearl Harbor and obviously, uh, you know, ter- <laughs> it's just, it's terrible. There was, it, it was 60 years after, after it happened right. and not, and don't get me wrong. A bad movie is a bad movie, no matter how long you take. Yeah. And, uh, but it does, but I'm more okay with it because at this point, like, well, you can make a, per- it's a terrible movie, of course. Like you can make a, a Pearl Harbor movie and. But it wasn't about, it was more about the romance. Exactly. And the bromance. And, that, and that's, and that the, I think that's the issue. Than the actual like, oh yeah. And then. We got into World War Two, and regardless um, of what people might think politically about the Benghazi thing, I remember I was watching a, uh, I was watching a little um, story on it, and I saw a photo that was so disconcerting to me, um, and it was basically a bloody handprint on like a on like a column uh, out just outside the uh, the embassy, and it was it wasn't merely a handprint that it, it was like smeared. Like the hand was like a person was literally being dragged, yeah. and it was smeared horizontally. So clearly, people were carrying this person, right. and the mm-hmm. person grabbed yeah, that yeah, to try yeah, to yeah. to try to hold back. Yeah, and it's like I saw that image, and it's like that is that speaks volumes. That like I can piece together exactly yeah. what happened to cause that handprint, and it's so it's so harrowing when you hear the stories of what happened there. And again, uh, po- politics aside. Um, and so when I think when I hear that, 
And then I hear that Michael Bay, noted auteur, the mas- Michael the Bay, master of subtlety. Yes, <laughs> he's the one that's going to bring that image to life, and it actually makes me furious because I feel like he could be he could be as dialed back as possible. He's still going to be Michael Bay, and it's still going to turn out horribly. And it just well, I just I can't believe it's not being used to Tom Feather or Hillary Clinton even more. Which like whether you believe in her or not, like right. let her have her day and the fact that they've like used that to like like personally i don't think like we got attacked i don't think there's any like big cover-up or yeah yeah or whatever like the whole email thing like oh my god she had a separate email account let's <laughs> drag our country down uh we're getting but political because I, I think you and i are on opposite sides here. <laughs> but that's all right I'll, I'll bring my wife and she'll agree with you oh good um i'm in a mixed marriage so uh <laughs> um but i just can't bl- he just has no idea of how to like tell like a decent story without like hitting you over the head right. with like i'm trying to think like, like, how, like how long how many explosions can they have and like when they <laughs> they went to the embassy in benghazi i mean i mean because that's all he like he can pull off of an explosion well and that's he the can't thing. get people to like that's what got me about pearl harbor is so many movie so many people came out of that movie saying Oh, that Pearl Harbor sequence was awesome. It's like, is that the feeling we were supposed to get? And it wasn't like Not three tragic. hours. Wasn't it super long? The too? whole movie was three hours. And then the, right in the middle was like a, the 45 minute sequence yeah, with Pearl yeah. Harbor. And it's like, don't get me wrong. That's the part that you should spend time on. But it should. Fe- Nobody came out of Saving Private Ryan saying, oh, those first 20 minutes were awesome. Yeah. They would People, mm-hmm. if they talked about it at all, they would say, I am terrified and I feel like I'm in shock. Like they don't view it as a positive thing. Whereas anybody who watched Pearl Harbor saw that that saw that as a as yeah. a fun thing, like just another action cool sequence. Cool planes, yeah, yeah, cool planes, and like it, the camera follows the bomb as it's dropping. It's like yeah. it's literally from the bomb's POV now. Yeah. Good, good for you, Michael Bay. Yeah. That's sensitive. Well, the bomb has feelings too. <laughs> sure, it sure does. It's just it's thrilled all that the way to bomb like, studied a lot and paid a lot of dues <laughs> to get a close-up in a michael bay movie all right don't uh, be smirch the bomb well it's certainly that was pearl harbor hello folks all right <laughs> um, i don't think it did make money though yeah it did, it did do you want to even horrify me even more is they're making it because michael bay is also responsible for bad boys oh yes the will smith martin lawrence mm-hmm. which for some reason there's old martin's his sitcom is on cable all the time have you watched i've seen it it's funny oh my god no not no, funny. it looks so horrific he's just i didn't know he's he's always doing something that like that's funny to me that his girlfriend's <laughs> mad his girlfriend's so mad at him and they got these giant shoulder pads on and he's wearing like some i don't know it, it, it just it looks like a cartoon version of mm. Him, but there's another Bad Boys coming out. I heard that. Three. They're making another. No, it's like four. Or four? Something. No, yes. I think it's three. But you know what? Wow. Here's here's what it is. There's three and four. I believe they're making two sequels. Back to back. It's like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Holy <laughs> moly! Finally, he gets to make his opus. Um, I've seen all of those dumb. I have a my son's 14, so those Transformer movies, like of course, are like. Those are those are like his Battleship Potemkin. Like the, he loves those movies. I think I saw the second one, which was the worst. Yeah, three times in the theater. Oh my gosh, it's the worst. But this last one with Mark Wahlberg, who I hope you're not listening, to Mark Wahlberg. And I heard I you, have to assume he I heard you're a big Catholic, but like he, he's terrible. He yeah. can't act. Yeah, and literally the most of his lines in that movie are like, "Watch out! Oh, Whoa, yeah. watch out!" Like I, I was doing this whole routine about him doing like. Uh, 
like his looping for the movie and it's like watch out watch out how many times did I say watch out oh 2000 alright watch out watch out watch out and then get away from my hot daughter that was the other thing he had to say it's like get away from my hot daughter <laughs> yeah it's, I, I was watching a, a commentary for the movie Videodrome with uh, James Woods oh yeah, and he was talking about and Deborah how Harry. as an actor how many times he's had to say the fray, the, the line what do you mean not in the movie, just in general, as an actor. How many times you have to say, what do you mean? And you have to find a new way to say it every yeah, time. Yeah, no. And it's like, that's, I, you know, you never think about that. And it's like, well, I guess you don't necessarily have to find a new way to say it, but you have to find out why this character is saying no, it. No, well, it's hmm. like uh, uh, Diane Weist in uh, Bullets Over Broadway. She mm-hmm. says that one thing she says, don't speak like literally 20 times. She <laughs> says it differently every time, and it's yeah. increasingly more hilarious every <laughs> time she says it. Oscar-winning performance. Though. Yes, well, um, yes, and, and Mark Wahlberg so. can be good in the right thing. Like he was good in The Departed. Um, oh, see, I have that movie. I, I don't just, love The Departed, but I think he's literally very good Jack at it. Nicholson is like doing Kabuki level <laughs> yeah. acting, yeah. and Mark Wahlberg is like I'm angry the whole like. There's never any like. There's never any range of his anger. He's like groundling sketch, angry the whole time. Like what? Who hurt you? Like, like what happened? <laughs> It's like, hey, uh, it's a sketch of like, hey, uh, be from Boston. Got it. No problem. Oh, I know. I just, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I love Martin Scorsese, but I'm not crazy about that movie. Yeah. It's, I thought the acting was so over the top. And I was like, it's such good acting. I'm like, for maybe the most acting, yeah, they would win that. But like the best. My mm-hmm. favorite performance is, is the one that I actually think is probably the most subtle, which is Matt Damon. I think. And he's yes. the one that nobody talks about in that film. And he's in, in another space movie. Yeah, The Martian. The Martian. Which looks... Which I'm like, okay. did you just like keep Matt Damon in space? Because <laughs> I'm one of the few people that let... Did you see Interstellar, Robert? I did see Interstellar. I loved Interstellar. I people, did not. People do not like that movie. Uh, I liked it way more than I thought I was going to. Like, I, I have very specific opinions about Christopher Nolan as a storyteller. And it's so... And as I was watching it, I was like, I was like, well, he does... He certainly does have a visual handle on things. And... Uh, and I do, and it's like a great performance by Matthew McConaughey. So great, and I who likes him? Isn't he like the most annoying person when he's on? Talk, have you seen him on a talk show? No, I dare I'm not, not to hate him when he's on a talk show. <laughs> he's the worst. But the, but his performance in that movie was so good. I forgot it literally. It was like I don't like this guy. Well, certainly it, the scene where he's watching his son grow up. Yes, yeah, and the, on the whole relationship fantastic. with his daughter and stuff, which like just because I have a son and daughter, just like yeah. I'm the biggest like weaning for that well I mean, it's, and, and it's so haunted by 2001 there's like even like the chords yeah. from the what's the zarefta whatever zarathustra yeah like literally that organ chord is like through the whole movie and yeah. there's like there's some of the shots look like when they're they end in 2001 when they're going into like the and he ends up in the white bedroom or something right yes, right yes. the whole thing like, sees himself as an old man yeah there's there's so many parts of like interstellar that look exactly like it sounds just like 2001 yeah, it's which I love. It's a, I didn't I I didn't love the movie, but I did. I responded to it. And Robert, you, it sounds like you hated it. I didn't hate it. Oh, okay. I, I think I'm with you. That I mean, and you, I, I'm sort of in the middle. Oh, watch you, out! You kind of liked it. No, you kind of liked it. You kind of didn't like it, right? No, you. Uh, I loved really it. liked. You oh, loved, I loved it. it. Yeah, like and you kind of liked it. And it I killed me. Liked it. In that it case, uh, among us, I hated it. Oh, okay. I'm, oh, the, okay. I'm the guy that hated it. Yeah, oh, but I don't. Now most people were not a fan. I, I th- the things that you were saying were a plus, like the the fact that it kind of calls back to two thousand one. Oh, tons! And, I yeah. mean, it does. But that bugged me. I was sitting oh, really? there going, "It feels like he's trying to make this as important, so to speak, as two thousand one." But the story doesn't really feel that way. It doesn't have the same sort of mystery about it from the very beginning that that movie does. And Matt Damon's in space. 
that's mysterious. <laughs> and and his and he's still in space. We, we haven't got him back down yet. When they when they wake him up and his response just burst into tears. Like that seems really powerful. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. Like it's the, it's a, like a somebody else put it up recently about Captain Phillips, which is another movie that I really liked. Now that's and that last scene that Tom Hanks mm, like it's the best breaks down ever done. that I'm telling you the fact that he was not nominated for Academy Award just kills for that scene. me because that scene killed me yeah well I mean we gotta make it's room so for, amazing gotta make I, room for Christian Bale and American Hustle what no who is that who won no, no it's who, who was nominated instead of uh, oh I see who won the ca- Matthew McConaughey he did he won for Dallas yeah Byers I didn't did you see oh, which I didn't see I didn't see that either I, I, saw it. I heard it was pretty it was good. good was he good in it He's great in it. Somebody said it was, several people said it was like, kind of like a trumped up TV movie kind of thing. Well, I'll tell you. I, but I was like Jared Leto was very, his performance got, to me, got almost more press than Matthew McConaughey. And they well, said it, it, was, it was so cliche. They, what I read, people thought it was really cliched written. Like he was just the thing is, I, I felt like it was queen. really cliched. Um, and I, I paused the movie about halfway through and I Googled it. I didn't realize it was based on a real story. Yeah. Mm. yeah and so when I did, yeah, I, was, yeah. I sort of like refiltered it in like the last yeah, yeah, hour, like yeah, six yeah, cents. Yeah. And I, I thought, as a true story, it worked. Because, I mean, these yeah. are sort of the kind of cliches that you kind of have to hang a movie on if it's based on a true story. You kind of yeah. have to do that. Yeah, yeah. Just out of respect to the real person. Yeah. Um, but inside of that was some really great acting, some really tumultuous okay, emotions, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. And, and it kind of makes you reevaluate how you feel about certain kinds yeah, of no. people in the world. And, uh, That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Tom, Tom Hanks it. and Captain Phillips. Oh my God! I, I that last that scene, just like yeah. oh, like he's good throughout, yeah. and that was, and the, you realize he's like he's basically up until that moment, he's just like this coiled spring, yep. and then because he has to be, he can't, he has to have a control on, of his emotions. But then once he's no longer in danger, it just all comes out, and it's just I, again, I genuinely believe it's the best best acting of his career. Because it's so he's you, in I mean, the moment. I just, yeah, no. I generally think he's... He's, he's been, great. He's been too cute sometimes, but... Fair enough. Like, that was the one we made with Julia Roberts. Larry Crown. Larry Crown, which he it. directed, I believe. I know, which Ooh. is like a cute fest, but... <laughs> I recently saw Bonfire of the Vanities for the first time. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Not good. I heard yeah. it was not good. But he's good in it. He's just directed like, incorrectly. Who, was the, who directed that? That was uh, De Palma. Oh, he that's was Brian De Palma. It was Brian De Palma. He's the worst wow. person to do that. <laughs> Agreed. That's uh, exactly. But how it's also it. Bruce Willis and like Melanie. Somebody. It's Melanie Griffith. Griffith. And who was talking about? Oh, oh, this friend of mine, uh, one of my son's best friends, dad's does special effects, and he's working on. He, and he's in Park City for six months because he's working on that new Don Johnson TV series called Blood and Oil. Hmm. And Don Johnson is the star. He said, I mean, he's like, he's always seemed quite crazy to me, but like he wears like the craziest outfits to the set and he hits on every woman that comes with him. Like, I he's still wow. on it. Wouldn't you if you were Don Johnson? Are you kidding? He's like, he's older than me. But he's looking good. Really? And so are you, by the way. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk later. But uh, <laughs> but he's still hitting on every woman and he's like, at least in his mid 60s. Is it working though? I don't know, but the fact that he thinks he's still got it, hmm. and you're crazy Don Johnson, and like parachute <laughs> pants, and like a pink blazer, like he said he wears the craziest outfits to the set. The 80s are back, man, I'm sure I he's guess, I guess. Parts hmm. of it. I don't know if parachute pants are ever going to come back. Don Johnson is back quite yet. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, that's true. Although he was great in uh, Django Unchained. Um, I don't even I'm remember not, that. I've not seen that. 
Oh, it's it's uh, okay. Well, it's, it's a cartoon. I have a problem with like Tarantino's like level of violence. I just it just I'm makes like, me. That's, like, that's it not just the movie for you. Like, then I can't. Yeah. Like because there's one. Didn't somebody get ripped apart by a dog or something? Uh, that sequence is actually handled very respectfully. Really, um, I just heard that and I'm like, I can't. Yeah, it's it, don't it's, see it. Yeah, that's not if if you're bothered by violence, that is yeah, not no, the film yeah. for yeah, you. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. I it's a bloodbath. I'm not a big. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big fan. I mean, I'm not saying he's not a bad filmmaker. His films are just not my for you. cup of tea. What am I saying? Mm. Yeah, he's he's somebody that uh, I have my I have my problems with, um, and I even and I'm not thrilled with uh, certain depictions of violence, and that's kind of what got me about Inglorious Bastards. Even though now I consider it. His, maybe his best film. I did see that movie. Mm. I did saw, you like it? I went to a, my friend took me to a SAG screening at the Director's Guild. Tarantino was there, Brad Pitt. Um, the whole cast was there. Yeah. Mm. Christoph. He, Christoph Waltz was there. They were all there. He is a complete nut. Oh, yeah. Tarantino. Like, I'm oh, like, yeah. I'm too much and I have to hold it in because I don't want people to like, oh my God, he lets his freak flag fly 24 hours wow. a day. He is a complete nut. Well, when he uh, when he won his Oscar for writing Django, uh, he came up with his in his leather tie. I know, it was a tie made of leather, and then it's just immediately, just and everyone forgives him, and including me, by the way, because he's just so crazy that it's like, well, what do you expect? Uh, but his whole speech was basically about how great he is. Yep. Uh, no, he's, he's he's like, you know, I think I nailed it, and she's like, know, good for you. So crazy. Clearly, but, everyone but like, agrees with I, you. To me, like the lesson for him was like, just be crazy. Like, don't try to hold, like, don't try to like maintain your. I need I need to be this way to fit into society and all my friends, all this stuff. Like, oh my god. Just yeah, but be- if he's insufferably crazy now, can you imagine when he's not holding back? Oh, I don't think he holds back. Oh, okay. I don't think. I think that's the that's the the lesson to be learned from him. Just like let it out. Yeah, and you could be nominated and win an Oscar. And you win an Oscar for you know letting uh, killing Hitler. That's like a so Django like, is definitely not. Well, it's like I, I've vicious, been thinking back on. Well, it that was like wasn't wasn't the whole thing about Rambo's like we went to Vietnam but we won. I, I've never seen all the Rambo movies all the way through. Wasn't that part of it? Uh, not the first one. The first one is uh, we definitely lost, and here's the emotional impact that that has on one guy. His name's John Rambo. And, and the, the second one is not good. The second one is he goes back to save people, right? Oh, that's right. He does go back to and, save people. And, and he says, I think yeah. the line he says is, do we win this time to Richard Krenna? Do we win this yeah, time? Yeah, I thought oh, that yeah. was, a, but that's the thing with, of course, Bastard's like, it's World War II, but we get Hitler. Which yeah. I yeah. which I, I have my own which, stupid, pretentious film school thoughts about, but I uh, we don't have time for that. We but don't? I, was, I, I really want to hear that. Somebody <laughs> was talking about the upfronts, and there's some cable show coming on about... That Germany won World War Two. Oh, this is um, uh, the Man in the High Tower. It's set in America. Yeah, it's America. It's uh, it's uh, Japan owns like this half, like the western half, hmm. and then Germany owns the the eastern half. Yeah, is Ridley Scott like the, involved in this? I don't know. I don't think so. Because I think he's making a movie about what happens if the Nazis won the war. But Ridley Scott's a new movie coming out. Is that it again? Oh, his is The Martian. Oh yeah, that's Ridley Scott. Ah. I think he's developing this other thing because uh, he's always working. For some reason, um, you don't, don't like Ridley Scott. Uh, he's not what he used to be. Well, come on, Thelma Louise. Come on. Yeah, that's pretty great. It's twenty-five years ago. He's not yeah. what he used to be. Well, Alien. Yeah, seventy-nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blade Runner eighty-two. Blade Runner. Come on. Hey, I'm saying during that. Are they aliens, making a new Blade Runner? Aren't they? they? I've heard that they are, but I don't know. We'll they see. They shouldn't. They shouldn't. Obviously. 
Um, Have you ever seen the movie called Diva? Called what? Diva. Diva? Yeah. No. It was French. Jean-Jacques somebody. And so I, that movie defined the 80s in Los Angeles. Like all of Melrose Avenue, when Melrose Avenue was the center of what was happening, was all defined by that movie, by the way it looked. And like every video... Hmm. And no one remembers it. It's a great movie. Diva. Yeah. All right. Diva. It was about uh, this kid who was obsessed with this opera singer. And this opera singer believed that you cannot accurately capture her voice on a recording. So she'd never made recordings. She only did live performances. Hmm. And so he sneaks a tape player, that's all this movie is, into one of her performances and tapes it. And then the rest of the movie is about all these people trying to get this the only recording of this woman's voice. It's all around Paris. That sounds good. Oh, it's it's amazing. And but just the way it looks, the way it's shot was L.A. Oh yeah, I mean that movie was more because because Blade Runner also defined how things mm-hmm. looked a lot. Movies mm-hmm. and like the you know Ward Swain's interior design and and uh, retail design was from Blade Runner. Well, and that and that certainly didn't make things look good. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it. it don't get me wrong. Alien is one of yes, my favorite Alien. movies of all time. Great. And every time I make my new, uh, I remake my top hundred, uh, Alien moves up and up and up. And I wouldn't be surprised if the next time it's close to the top. I saw it on opening night through. in Westwood. Really? Yep. <laughs> really? Yep. Wait, say it again. I saw it on opening night in Westwood. Alien. Wow. Yep. yep. And, uh, and the whole re- one that like, I mean, the whole like the alien popping out of his chest, which is like almost like no one can... Because I think my kids know that just because it's been so oh, yeah. parodied to mm-hmm. a point where it's not even the least bit shocking, or yeah. it's just like, oh, then that—that's the thing that just happens. Yeah, that's a shame. But to see it on opening night when that happened, the theater—I mean, just people went crazy. Where did yeah. you see it? It was at the Avco. It's not the one right on Wilshire. Yeah, yeah. Which was a great theater. I don't even think no, it's. It, working anymore? I've seen movies there, but I think it's closed down now. Yeah, yeah. I I'm always fascinated by that, and uh, <laughs> I believe we've gotten a single interview question out, which is fine, which is perfectly fine. Um, but I do want to I do want to transition into your uh, comedy oh, career in a moment. No, it's perfectly. <laughs> Who are you ta- again? We're talking movies. The what Vince. Is, how did you get in? Vince here? Saunders. Somebody is that left it? the gate open. Um, but uh, no, that's the thing that as I as I get. As I get older and I have listeners that are like 15 years mm-hmm. younger than me, um, it becomes fascinating to talk to them about movies because there are movies that I saw opening day that these people weren't even born when yeah. it came out. Oh, yeah. And Aliens was 79, 80? 79. Aliens 79, yeah. yeah. Like Jurassic Park. I saw Jurassic Park opening day with my family. And then there are people... There are listeners of Battleship Pretension that were born in, let's see, they're like 18 now. So they're, bo- oh my gosh. So they're born in like 97. Yeah. When I, so they're so my born right born. around the time I'm getting, I'm like really getting into movies as like yeah. a real thing. Oh, yeah. I'm seeing LA Confidential when they're getting, bo- when they're being yeah, born. Yeah, yeah. And that's insane to think. Mm-hmm. And that's, and I try to imagine like what must it be like to have like the first, to be seeing like Lord of the Rings when you're 10 as opposed to 20 yeah. something when yeah. I saw it yeah. and, and just enter into that world of like wonder 
at a at an age when you can still feel wondrous about yeah, yeah, things. No, yeah, you know? no. It's a thing that, that fascinates me. I saw um, this friend of mine who's a very successful writer producer who lives in South Pass, and he shows movies in his backyard, and he was doing all westerns, and in the summer he was doing all John Hughes movies. Mm-hmm. And so about a month ago, he did The Breakfast Club. Now, I saw The Breakfast Club when I was 30. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think it's it's okay. There's way there's like five montage sequences in it, and when they do a montage sequence, I just think they're saying I don't know what to do right now. <laughs> so that really bothered me, and then I'd completely forgotten that the opening scene in it is there's a quote from David Bowie on it's like it's kind of like dimensional white type on this kind of like glazed background it's like we're rebels and we're gonna do the things that rebels do blah 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 david bowie (laughs) then it shatters and the shards of it come to you and i couldn't stop laughing it was the most pretentious thing i'd ever seen all right all people i'm seeing it with are in their mid-40s so they saw it as 14 15 year olds they were the same age as the characters in the movie and they thought i was the biggest like get this guy out of here! Yeah, why is he taking a dump on our sacred yeah. movie Text. here? Because I mean, I'm like, it was the most pretentious thing I'd ever seen in my life. But that's the thing; it doesn't even matter. They know all the scenes. That it was like, oh, sure. it was like their Rocky Horror. They were like saying the lines along with it. I forgot again. Thing I hate more than anything is a freeze frame ending. It's Jed Nelson's like yep. this. Yeah, they all di- they all did it. Oh, nice! That's awesome. <laughs> when that's, he did it, and I'm like, with tears in your eyes, I'm sure. And, like I, and I watched it again. I'm like you know, there's not some bad parts of it. There's way too many like, as I said, montage sequences, and these people finally get along. But I just don't think I still don't think it's that great. But they, when they saw it, and that was their man. You really expressing how I am at that mm-hmm. age because they were the age of the characters. Like they have a whole different feeling about that movie. Well, and he, so I'm gonna I'm gonna. I'm going to tie a couple of things together because it's something that has become fascinating to me. So something that is that I have come to learn having known a number of preachers and such Mm -hmm. uh, over the years is that whatever age a person is when they become a Christian and whatever like this, the, the climate of the church is at Mm -hmm. the time, they will assume that that's good enough for everybody. And they'll say like, they'll say, well, I mean, these, and, and they'll talk about these kids today. It's like, well, they seem to need this and this and this. I don't know. I didn't have any of that. Then it was good enough for me. Like yeah, they, uh-huh. they tend to project and say like the thing that, the thing that brought me into this is a thing that other people should, uh, it should bring them into it as well. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like with film, it's not, it's not far off as well. Like whatever movies that you saw when you were, I'm going to say 15, 16, 17, like when you're becoming an adult yeah. and the movies that you see and love and that you remember, those become such a part of your life that suddenly that's the golden age. And I'm, I'm no different. I personally well, believe the same 19- way with people, same way with music, oh, sure. oh, with, yeah, with absolutely. television, especially music. Yeah. Like I the think stuff that forms you, as it a hits, human. it hits you more. I think, it's it's so specific and short that it your emotions are like I think when they're condensed like that more and mm-hmm. you feel into a song it, it's even more uh, stays with you longer yeah so that's why like it's the '80s concert and like the kids are like going oh my god I'm like oh my god it's Blondie you know like they don't they don't care you know who are these you know ghosts. <laughs> 
Or yeah. is that going, well, that riff from that song is from that, from this group, and this and this group sounds exactly like that group, and they're like, uh, would you shut up, please? Yeah, let us enjoy just, this. Just let me enjoy this music. Let me have my own formative experience, please. Yes, yes. And I, and I try to, like, I try not to be that, but as I've stated on my other show, and probably on this one, I do consider the year 1999 to be maybe the best movie year ever. And how old because? was I? I was 17. Well, I know. Right. I know. You know. But d- don't get me wrong. I will also, I'll stand by it just as far as like, just look at the movie. Like, any movie year. So, uh, so what is that? So what is that? So what movie releases is that based Nin- on? 99? A yeah. ton. Okay, here we go. I think you might know without looking that up. Matrix. American Beauty. You got American Beauty. Being right. John Malkovich. The yeah. Insider. Yeah. Talented Mr. Ripley. Yeah. Sixth Sense. Iron Giant. Matrix. Iron Giant. South Park, Toy Story 2, uh, let's see. No, okay. I'm Did about, I say Magnolia? Magnolia. Three Kings. Mm. Okay, um, I'm about three-fourths away with you with those movies. But uh, yeah. Sweet and Low Down, Woody Allen film. Yeah. Bringing Out the Dead, Scorsese. Yeah. Um, the Green Mile, which I don't love, but I'm not, I know a lot of people that do. Yeah, no, people like um, the movie. Oh, and then here's the thing. So I'll, bring the, I'll say this, not as an indication of the year's quality, but of its significance. Uh, Star Wars, The Phantom Menace. Was mm-hmm. ninety nine, mm-hmm. so like you had this weird mixture of like some new filmmakers like M Night Shyamalan and um, making his only good movie. <laughs> well, hang on now. Whoa, wow! Smoke's coming out of Tyler's and ears. Like I'm Unbreakable. sorry if you could just see it right now. So Robert likes Unbreakable, which I haven't so seen sorry, since the theater. But I like Unbreakable. I've never seen it, so I can't. what? It's, I know <laughs> it's not bad. It's not bad. Um, and then I'm a it's big fan. I'm a big fan of Signs, but maybe because of the way it incorporates spiritual stuff. Um, but then, uh, but it was him and Spike Jones kicked off that year. But then you also had old pros like. Someone she got to have it. What was that? She's got to have it. You think it's Spike Lee? Oh, I'm sorry. Spike, oh, Spike Jones. Jones. Oh, yeah. Being, being John Malkovich. Being John Malkovich is so great. Yeah, like <laughs> love that movie. Even like, what's her face? Uh, Cameron Diaz. Yes. Yeah, she's great. It's the best. She's performance great. Of her career. She, um, I mean, com- again, completely unrecognizable, almost. Yeah. And and I and the thing with John Cusack. John Cusack was on such a roll. He had like three or four like incredible movies in a row. I guess that's true because he had Gross Point Gross Blank. Point Blank, yep. Which then, is so great. And let's not forget Con Air. Uh, <laughs> Con Air is the greatest. I'm not. I'm not kidding. Is that Michael Bay? No, it should have been. It's a Jerry Bruckheimer produced, but I think it's Simon West. It's so oh. ridiculous. It's terrible. I couldn't stop laughing. But you know what? Even it seems that kind movie, of aware of its horribleness. It seems kind of I aware so. of it. Maybe it's Simon West making a Michael Bay movie. Sort of a commentary on Michael it's Bay. It's so much fun to watch because it's so ridiculous. Hmm. Although and John Malkovich is so over the top. Steve Buscemi's in that movie. Yeah. He's, he's got like three or four scenes. And yeah. he, his, his story happens outside of the plot. And thus, it's by far the most interesting part yeah, of the no, film. No, no, no. Um, but uh, so, uh, so we should, we should uh, scale things back a little bit. <laughs> Why? Because because, <laughs> because we point. can have this conversation for the rest. Uh, and I and, and I don't want to say like let's stick with a with a pure interview no, thing. But no, no, one no. thing that I find very interesting. Um, so I've loved stand up my whole life. Okay. Ever since uh, I started watching the Ha Network in I think eighty nine. Eighty eight. Eighty nine. Yeah. yeah. What, what is Comedy Central used kids to be? Google it. Well, yeah. Um, and so uh, and I watched like a. Uh, like Kevin Pollack's HBO special, and I. Who was I, the guy that had the? He's still around. He had the the first talk show on Ha. It was I'm every sh- night. I'm not sure. I don't remember. He's still around, Kevin? Somebody? 
is it it was it wasn't Kevin Meany, was it? No, no, no it was Kevin. No, it's a different person. Right. Um I don't recall, unfortunately. Yeah, 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 yeah. I watched like short attention span yeah, theater. Yeah, yeah. I just oh, watched oh, everything yeah. I could. Oh god. Um yeah. and and so I've I've loved stand up my whole life. And so living here and then as a function of my other podcast, Battleship Pretension, knowing a lot of stand ups mm-hmm. is is great and especially some well, of the, some of them are that. i don't know about that <laughs> it's been great for me are you okay good good yes okay competition yeah yeah um that helps though i have no doubt You're just like well this person's uh, not a threat to me yes at all. exactly um but uh, especially in some cases people that i that i i'm not i wouldn't say i grew up but like in the early 2000s people that i was like oh i i saw your comedy central special mm-hmm. and now there's a person like yeah there you are it's in uh, you know in my phone yeah yeah and so yeah. um but uh but something that i'm fascinated with and and i, I we talked with uh, tom wilson about this mm-hmm. forever ago mm-hmm. um which is Biff, being yes. a christian in the comedy community, specifically mm-hmm. in the LA comedy community, yeah. which is, I would say, by and large, and I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say this, violently opposed to faith. Uh, well, where, it's not even saying they're opposed to it means that they've actually considered it a thing at all. Okay, <laughs> all right. It's not even uh, I had it and I rejected it, or or something they're actively avoiding. It's just not a part of their lives Virulently at all. Therefore, it's not a part of anybody's life. Okay. Wow. That it's not, it doesn't even exist to them. I mean, except it, in flyover, it, flyover country, the flyover country or like, um, well, <laughs> there's, <a laughs> I briefly was associated with, there was a group called clean comedians, which were mainly Christian comedians. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I went to one of their, oh, I, <laughs> I went to one of their, I, I got, I got in the, and they, they would book people so you can, it was a way to actually make money out of this, which mm-hmm. I yet to figure out. And, um, <laughs> they had their annual meeting in a, the back of a Coco's, like in La Mirada or something. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> it was all, we're all clean comedians and they all went around and it was like ventriloquist magician, ventriloquist magician, like puppeteer, ventriloquist magician. Like that's all it was. And then I got, and they got to me and I said, I'm a comedian. They all like, I could hear the wind whipping around their head. Like what? Who let that guy in? He's going to have a duck in his act. Get him out of here. <laughs> You know, all like kind of more kind of variety mm-hmm. type performers that were clean. <laughs> we went and then they had a, they all met and talked and uh, went to somebody's house where people could try out new material. And this woman was a, <laughs> uh, she was a mime puppeteer, <laughs> which like. I thought I had it rough in high school, but really, I don't know what you're trying to overcome being a mind puppeteer. Silent puppets? What? It doesn't even make any sense. I mean, on, on a purely like, experimental level, I appreciate it. Like, you know, like if it's a puppet, but it's not going to talk. If your mom and Sean's, maybe, but, but she, she was working on this new thing. I'm not making this up. And if she's listening, I apologize, but this was a million years ago. She was working on it, and she wanted, she wanted all of our feedback. A clown cleaning up at the crucifixion of Christ. That was a bit oh my gosh. that she was working on. I'm not kidding. So it was now like, here's the thing, that that has the potential to be very edgy. Uh was she going edgy with it? Or maybe not exploring well, the possibilities. Well it's she was doing she it was a, a comedy bit. She, yeah. She's not doing it for 
emotional resonance. She was like trying to get laughs out of mm. a clown. Wow. A mime clown. <laughs> like Emma <laughs> Kelly. Wasn't he a mime clown? He never talked, did he? I don't, I don't, know. Even, I don't even know. Your oh, name. Um, I remember uh, Emma Kelly. Emma Kelly, I think, talked, right? Did he? Marcel Marceau was just a No, he was mime. a mime. Yeah. I don't know if Emma Kelly talked, actually, now. But, but it was like, it. it was like, it was like miming like a push broom, like, she's like, sweeping up blood or something? <laughs> wow. I don't know, it was like that, and then like, tear, like, then she'd go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so, it was like, and people were like, <laughs> people sincerely were like, you know, I think you should like, you know, and I'm like. Um, I think you should kill all of us so you have no record of this ever being presented <laughs> and then never do that again because that is the most horrendous. And then I wanted to go, here's, and then I wanted to go like, and here's Ventulicus at Auschwitz. Like, that's like, that's what I wanted to like, how could I actually top that in horribleness in a comedy way? Man, oh man. Yikes. Yeah. And you know, and that, so, so I mean, to... but you asked a question about being a uh, Christian in, yeah, the, yeah. in the comedy community. And, um, I'm by far an anomaly. Uh, mm-hmm. The only other Christian I know, because I still teach Sunday school. Yeah. I don't know him, but I know that he does, that Stephen Colbert also teaches yeah. that's Sunday true. school. So that's not a bad company to be in. <laughs> no. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not saying I am. You, Tom Wilson, and Stephen Colbert can get oh, together. Tom, okay, yeah. I don't know if he teaches Sunday school, but, yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah. he's, he's very, he was very actively involved. Yeah, in yeah, yeah. That kind yeah. of thing, so. Um, it's a huge assumption that everybody's a, like a raving atheist, mm-hmm. and uh, I always like it when they think they're being incredibly edgy with their atheism. And <laughs> I'm like, really, if you want to know who's the edgy one, I am because you're all of the same ill. Yeah. So the the guy that's standing out would be the one that's being edgy, not the people that have all conformed in the same conformed to their disbelief in the same way. Mm-hmm. So I would actually be the one that's edgy, but they would even that would never occur to them that someone, cause it's, it's also like Christians are dumb. That's another big mm, thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, all of science is, you don't get science if you're Christian because Christians didn't believe. And I'm like, I don't know where you got that. Like, <laughs> Christianity and science are two completely different things in the middle ages. Science was supposedly be the thing where religion had been, had been the way that for no. like 300 years that they had to explain the world that yeah. all of a sudden here's science. So science is going to explain the world and we don't need religion anymore. And obviously mm-hmm. that's not true because science is still here. And so is religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you don't get any advances <laughs> in medicine. You don't get anesthesia. If you're a Christian, I'm like, how did you get to that place? Yeah. And mostly I think it comes from them having bad experiences as Growing up, having yeah. Christianity and religion shoved down their throats, uh, some of them like horribly, sure. you know, or there's been incredibly horrible things done in the name of religion. Mm-hmm. And I understand where they see it's, you know, a terrible thing. Um, well, plus it's perpetuated in the media. So, well, that's what that's what like. The only time you ever, in movies especially, if anyone has any faith, they are covering up some horrible secret. That's the only, oh, yeah. that's mm-hmm. the only reason someone has any faith in a movie is they're a sex maniac or they've killed somebody or, or they reject uh, it and are liberated. And then they're a, a good person because, like that's, that's because the they rejected it. Yeah, but, exactly. But it's mm-hmm. always, it's, uh, it's always to cover up something horrible. Yeah. They never have faith, but just because, Oh, I'm a person of faith. That's never anything that happens. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of, uh, 
like Christian characters in, in film or on TV that are viewed as positive. And I feel like you're more likely to find it on TV simply because they have more room to explore characters. Yeah. Uh, whereas movies, you've got two hours, and so there, so shorthand is very helpful. Yeah, yeah. And we need to show. Okay, was, we need to show a character is a hypocrite. Oh, I got it. Yeah. No problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, just put a, a like a cross necklace on them, and uh, that'll tell you everything you need to know. Yeah. And it's very frustrating to me yeah. because the vast majority of and don't get me wrong, like. Any Christian that is any anytime somebody depicts a Christian, undoubtedly there is a at least I'm going to say at least ten Christians that are exactly like that. I'll 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 put that out there, maybe more, um, but for the most part, I mean I'm so I'm I'm 33 now. That's not old, but it's not young. It's I'll say this: it's old enough that I've known a lot of people at this point. And Tyler, I've lived, it's very young. Please. I know, I know. <laughs> Please. Um, but I've lived a lot of places. Yeah. California, Colorado. I've seen things, guys. Yeah. Puff, puff. <laughs> well, it's, here's the thing. I've seen California Christians, and I've seen Southern Missouri Christians. Yeah, that's two... Two very different yes, cultures. Yes, And yet, between the two of them, and then Chicago and, and, and uh, Colorado, yeah. like, I've seen a lot of different Christian cultures, mm-hmm. and within each of them... I've not seen any of the Christians that are being depicted either in film or on TV or often in a stand-up comedian's act. Yeah. Just the way that they are talked about. And and it's interesting um, to hear the you say that... Um, that faith, it, it's it's like a non-issue uh, in the lives of, the, of of a lot of comedians because it's there's like, well, that, that's that's undoubtedly well, there's lots true. Of Jesus, there'll, there'll be Jesus jokes and sure. like Jesus did that and kind of you know there's you know ten cultural uh, it's parts of our culture that are just like Jesus turned water into wine he you know, walked on water like those turn up sure. in, those those kind of things turn up in 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 jokes but there's nothing about faith yeah that's true. And it's, do you, have you ever gotten any, you know, because I agree that in a room where the, every comedian and the audience all agree on one thing, that, that that thing is no longer edgy. And so if somebody comes along who says, oh, I actually don't agree with all of you, then that person is suddenly, but they're not even defiant about it. Because I've, you know, I've, I've seen you perform stand up and occasionally mention faith stuff and you're not saying like, yeah, it's right, jerks. Like you're not. You're not taking yeah. it to them. Have fun yeah. in hell. Yeah. <laughs> right. How do you introduce it? I'm curious. I mean, I don't talk about it. I mean, I've, uh, I've had some experiences teaching Sunday school that I've talked about on stage. I've <laughs> talked about, because um, I love bad acting. I just mm. I just love bad acting. And my, and my church put on this play one time. It was so horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> and this kid, a child died in the play. And this is how he died. <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing and guess what's not funny dead kids like nobody laughs when a kid dies nobody and I'm like howling oh, it was just so bad and this one behind me is like well and I'm like I'm sorry I've seen better death scenes from laser printers that was like <laughs> the worst thing I've ever seen in my life and she's like well I'm sorry it's not dinner theater 
Like that was her standard of acting. Yeah, it's like, hmm. Yeah, can I get a Salisbury steak with this? <laughs> yeah. You know, that you was my she was offended, and she was right to be offended because it was such an inappropriate laughter on my part. I agree, but come on, or like, like I was talking about the one sixty eight films that have like brought me to laughter. Oh, this one, my all time favorite, and it won the best movie that year. It was of called course. The Party, and uh, it was about uh, a broken home, and uh, this guy is dri- he's driving to his daughter's. The daughter like six seven year old daughter lives with the mother and he's driving down the street to a party but he's like drinking beers he's driving and throwing beer cans out the window so he's just like the worst like and and completely ridiculous like yeah ah, you know oh, my wife you know <laughs> and and takes her this and takes her this uh tea set that's his that's his uh birthday present <laughs> for his daughter and uh, he shows up at the party drunk like why did you come yeah I didn't invite you it's my daughter ah, Alyssa and he has this big fight with his wife and uh, and uh, then they leave and then uh, and so the wife leaves because he's she's mad at the, the drunk husband showed up at her house and so they find this they're sitting on the couch the daughter and the and the father and the spider comes up I'm like oh look at the spider he's like oh that's a poisonous spider so let's like he puts a glass over it and um in uh and i th- i think he thought that he said it free or something or whatever and th- and then i'm sorry then the big fight i'm sorry i had the sequence wrong then the big fight happens with the mom after that okay so the next time he comes back the mom's like she's been so obsessed and she had the big fight with me and she was not going to talk to you and you better go talk to her and so she's upstairs and she's having a tea party with a tea set that he that he gave her and here's like the teddy bear and the doll and and there's one seat for her and <laughs> there's uh and the seat for him and like daddy we had the tea party with me and I'm like yes <laughs> he sits down and then she turns around and she has captured she still has the poisonous spider and she <laughs> she she squeezes the poison the spider to, to get the poison spider venom in his teacup. <laughs> so she's trying to kill her dad. Hey, do poisonous spiders work like no, that? No, no, it's completely so. crazy, but like... Like a dish rag, apparently. It's <laughs> just Daddy, ring it out. Daddy, I'm going to kill you now. Like, it was like, I couldn't stop laughing. It was the most ridiculous. It's a Christian movie? Yes. I thought so because I feel so, like walking the aisle right now. That was a beautifully told story. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and he's, and I think he saw her. So he's like, "Oh my god, my daughter wants to be dead. Maybe I should be dead or something." And so he gets wow. the. So he's like, he, he's like, getting the teacup closer to his mouth. Should I drink this tea? Yes, you should. Are you sure I should drink it? Yes, I should. And all of a sudden, it's like, "Daddy, don't!" Like freeze frame of her, like, oh, oh, freeze frame, good. Like her, like, like pumping smashing, her fist in the air. No, smashing the cup out of his out of mm. his hand quite so, moving so, but i couldn't stop laughing <laughs> so you know here's the thing the i try on this if you're listening i'm sorry on this podcast we do try we try vance we try to be positive <laughs> but sometimes laughter is positive it sure is but sometimes you're just met with an idea that is so or a film or whatever that is so ludicrous well, it was so sincere, and so that's, that's the problem. That's the problem. And so mm-hmm. I'm also—I don't want to go to 68 because they're very nice to me. But like, oh my god, they're the most heavy-handed things in the world. Yeah. I just. Well, and you know what? I'll put. Oh, some... but you should see their comedies. Uh, in a good way or ba- okay? All right, all right. This is not a video it's like, podcast. It's like, like Mister like Bean, but he's Christian. That kind of. Ah, I like Mister Bean. Whoa, <laughs> that's him. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I'll, you know what? I'll put some of this down to like the sincerity and the earnestness mm-hmm. of of these films, especially short films. It's probably younger filmmakers. I'll put some of that down to being younger filmmakers and being like first time filmmakers. Like I went to film school, mm-hmm. and it it seemed like it was almost in the syllabus that you needed to make a film with someone sitting naked in a bathtub. You yeah. had to do it. <laughs> Oh, I went to my, my godson, just graduated from Chapman as a film major mm-hmm. two months ago, and I went to see his final film, which was spectacular. Oh, good. But I saw a lot of other... Oh, sure. Less spectacular. <laughs> God. So many of them began with, began with creepy children whispering. Oh, so many of them. Yeah. I'm like, have you watched every... It, you know... The one particularly that started with that, and then it went, this is one of my other favorite cliches, is the serial killer that's the master collagist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Loves scrapbooking. Yes, and they're like, <laughs> this beautiful, like, and, you know, all these pictures and, you know, three-dimensional objects and strings connecting all of them. And this whispering, the whispering's going in the background. <laughs> and this girl had, like, a secret ghost doppelanger that saved her from... It was like the twins in The Shining, but okay. one of them was real and one of them was, was spectral. But she was saving the girl from the creepy child rapist that was following her. Oh, that old saw. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And there's another one with creepy whispering, and then there was another one that was like kind of a Lord of the Rings one. I and mean, these are all well, ambitious. Completely serious. Of course. Completely. One that, again, I couldn't stop laughing was, it was kind of a Lord of the Rings-ish, like, kind of medieval dressing, and one was like uh, like a warrior guy with a sword, and the other was this girl that was dragging, looked like a coffin across, like, the parched salt plains Mm -hmm. um, in Utah, because they had to, she had to take this thing, there's some sort of orb inside that had to go to this place, and all this stuff. There was, and they all had like this long, kind of very well sculpted medieval long hair. Of course, yes. That never moved. <laughs> but there is wind sound quite loud the entire movie. Like, so like, did they add it or they just couldn't remove no, it? Of course they added it. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> because I wasn't, no I wasn't sure if it was like they shot outside and they were like, oh, no, we can't. No, it's all shot outside okay. and they have long hair like crazy and yeah. there's Unmoving. wind sound, but obviously there's, there was no wind because yeah. nothing ever moved. <laughs> like, did somebody, didn't somebody like, uh, hello, this is, doesn't. Hairspray in medieval times, apparently. I could see there being a situation where, uh. They thought afterwards, like, oh, we need to add some atmosphere. No, let's no, add some wind. No, completely. <laughs> but it was like floor to ceiling, beginning to end, wind, and not yet any actual wind. You know, and it's it's one of those things. I f- I I find myself hoping, not assuming, hoping that people will look that these filmmakers will look back on these films and just say like, oh boy, this is embarrassing. You know. Because I have no doubt that I mean there are there are films that I made in film school that I look mm-hmm. back on and think oh boy yeah apparently I took life very seriously no but there are, then there are others that I that I stand by yeah, and and yeah. as you as you make more you get better and yeah, and you yeah. have a better sense of who yeah. you are as a filmmaker I hope that these people look back on that but what I, what bothers me is that there's nothing within the Christian arts community that would say oh that's not very good. Because it's always it's always about intention. Well, mm-hmm. the whole but the whole moniker Christian arts is like 
it's almost like a handicap sticker or something like nobody expects. I mean, the sad thing is like for 500 years, all art was done for the church. Yeah. And then it became like a sunset with like a, like a reversed out phrase at the bottom. It became, <laughs> it, it, it went from the complete yeah. highest to the complete lowest. And when you say Christian art, people like roll over. I was like, yeah, right. Like, like that's a, like yeah. that's a thing at all. Oh my God. It was for like, 500 years mm-hmm. yeah and then it just like became complete crap well and that's the thing is it's the fault of everyone involved like the like artists just i guess became less christian and so they like, just sort so of nice. they they mo- they pushed christians out and christians could not be happier to be pushed out like and now we have like these two completely separate worlds where there's almost no interaction and i mean listeners you know they've heard me say this a million times but like it, it is astounding to me. Every anytime you read um, a review, like a user review, not an actual critic review of a uh, of a Christian film, and someone will say like, "Oh, this movie was so good." I don't know. I'm doing a voice. I'm sorry. <laughs> this movie was so good. Your Midwestern housewife. Like, yes. Like, oh yeah. I feel like I could take my friends to it. My non-Christian friends to it. It's like, okay, a couple things. Number one, you can't. They're not going to like it, and they're going to be angry with you. Yeah. Number two, if that is your standard of good, that you can take your non-Christian friends to it, let's run with that instinct a little bit and try to realize why. Why, like... Well, it's just so nice, probably. It's, well, I, it's inoffensive. It's inoffensive. Well, I guess there is that. But, I mean, just the way Christians talk about... Sorry, not all of them, obviously, but, like, um, the way they talk about Christian film as, like, like, oh, I've heard people say, it's like a real film. It's like, yes, yeah, shouldn't it? step one shouldn't it? is make a real film. Yeah. You could do that. Maybe, like, you act like it's coincidental that you made a movie, and hey, it's like a real movie. Yeah, it's good, yeah. You could, you could try to make a real movie if you want. Yeah. No? Okay, I'll be over here. I don't here think then. they have anything to judge. I mean, there's really... I mean, I don't see Christian film, so I... I don't either. I'm not... I, I do. I'm not you saying... <laughs> I'm not saying I have this vast knowledge, and here are three good examples... But being Christian, I cannot really tell you a good Christian film. There is one. It is. I've taught. Saving, we, Saving Christmas. Yes. That was oh Kirk boy. Cameron's from last <laughs> Yeah, I know. It was my least favorite movie <laughs> last year. Tyler just lit this heavy side. You guys didn't <laughs> it see was that. an episode. But it was so, yeah. he was so deflated. I, I did. I, I did. But a, he actually, but he was on talk shows talking about it. Yeah, I know. Proudly. Of and, course. You know, and God of bless, course. God bless him for like sticking to his guns. Sure. He's so self-righteous. Yeah. And like, he's like, he, this is a horrible comparison, but like, there are comedians who like, all comedians want to talk about movies, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of, um, like, there's, there's a difference between, oh, you have this view, I have that view, here are two views. And then there's the guy like, you're wrong for thinking that way. Right. Mm-hmm. And I get the feeling that Kirk Cameron is like, you're wrong if you're not a Christian and you don't love this movie that's... I don't think he realizes it's not very good, but like, you should love this because it's a Christian movie. I'm like, well, but we still have standards. We're not just sheep. I mean, we are, we are metaphorically called to be sheep, but we don't have to be sheep as far as like bad and good is concerned. Well, and also he's so self-righteous. We're now now literally talking about opinion and just like, now if he says be a good Christian and see this movie, now don't get me wrong. I think that's dumb too, but I at least, that's at least saying, you're, you're arguing fact. A good Christian sees this movie. Now, I still think that's that's uh, an incorrect fact. But um, but him saying, 
a good Christian will like this movie. It's like, well, now you're dictating. And like, by the way, you also have an obvious vested interest in me liking this movie. But at the same time, I think that is a thing that you run across a lot uh, in the Christian community is this attitude of, well, a true Christian, a real Christian would like this movie because of what it's trying to say. They'll like it because of its intentions. And yeah, sure, maybe it's not the best movie. I, the thing that you always hear is like, it's like, you know, it's not going to win any Oscars. They yeah, always yeah, say yeah. that. And my last, and my thought is, usually I'm kind of in a very jerky way. My thought is like, when's the last time you saw a movie that won an Oscar? <laughs> American Sniper, probably. And then before that, maybe Seabiscuit. But, um, oh, I love Seabiscuit. I, I did too. <laughs> it was pretty good. I can't tell you how much I, like, I was so weepy. My wife's like, get it together. Really? You're an embarrassment. <laughs> what kind of man did i marry i know um, literally well she says that often but um but yeah what so, about what about the passion of the christ oh no there mm, th- that's right not which, that which i my friends we were going to we didn't we, we still go to church we didn't go to this church we went to for 20 years just fairly established church but they could not stop telling me about the passion of the christ and how great it was and they couldn't believe and i was like I kept saying, I'm the only Christian that like is not looking forward to the Passion of Christ, but can't wait to see Fahrenheit 451. Like, like mm-hmm. it was the Michael Moore movie was at the time, yeah. which they're like, he's terrible. I'm like, yeah, some, he's saying some truthful things. But I never saw it, but it just the whole like... Oh, you never saw it? No. Now I saw I, all I heard about was like how violent it was and all the beatings. It and is I'm extremely like, violent. I don't, I don't like my Christ bloody. I, just, I don't know about you, but I just didn't want to... Like, it's important. It's an important part of it. It is the, like, his death and resurrection is what makes him worthy of worship. But you know what? The resurrection part of that movie feels so shoehorned in. It's like four seconds at the end of this, like, two-hour torture scene. Yeah, where, like, it's like, oh, the stone has been rolled away and you see him stand up. It's like, obviously a powerful image. Yes. Smash cut to black. What? Yeah. We're done? Yeah. You know, it's, it's very frustrating. Like, you never see the other, like... You know, you never I see him like talking with Thomas. Spoilers, by the way. Oh yeah, sorry. sorry. Yeah. What? That he comes back? Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> Guess I, it's like I, the, I had the Titanic rent. sinks. Yeah. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I, but then it comes back. What? Um, but uh, Robert, you're th- you saw Passion of the Christ, right? I did. What did you think? Uh, exactly what I said. I feel like it's way too violent. It feels like it's, no. it dwells on the violence almost to, for for its own sake. It's like yeah. at some point it doesn't have to be about Jesus. It's like it's about Mel Gibson liking kind of. Uh, yeah. Depicting this sort of thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it made a bazillion dollars, and the studios oh, have been chasing that ever since. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, unsuccessfully, by the way. Like, I liked Noah last year. I, I wanted to see that. It wasn't bad. I like Darren Aronofsky. Yeah, it's uh, you know Russell Crowe seems completely crazy. Yeah, which which, is, which, which can be good. It is appropriate, I think. Yeah, yeah no. Um, and then I saw Exodus: Gods and Kings, which has its moments. I know how but was it's that? Not, it's not very good. Hmm. But it's it's Ridley the Ten Commandments, right? Yeah. The Ten Commandments, that is the most fun movie to watch. Oh, absolutely. It's I, so it's, great. I don't know if I've yeah. ever actually seen it. Really? Yeah. Every Easter? Yeah. Just, oh. You know, it's, it's, you have it's no good. excuse. It's on every single Easter. I know. But, but, it's, but good, it's good for good and bad reasons. Well, it, when it, it was made, what, in 54, 53, something like around that? Around there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so of course it's going to have the trappings of that era of filmmaking. No, it's so stilted. And the acting and is very so stilted. stilted yeah. And very like, I'm saying important things now. And <laughs> that's Charles you know, Nelson, by the way. Yeah. Look at this kingdom, and like it's like this shiny, like everything's shiny and bright. Like yeah. this mm-hmm. is like, 
like first century Egypt, it seems like everything mm. would be black. I just yeah. like it's just, you know covered it's, in it's dirt, dirt, and tons of white people. You might, you might. I mean, obviously, like they cast you know Christian Bale and Joel Edgerton as you know these uh, Middle Eastern characters, but. Um, I did from an art direction standpoint. I thought it was gorgeous. No, I saw Exit some of the, I saw some, yeah, I saw some some shots of them. I'm like, oh my god, this looks incredible. Yeah. And I was surprised how many practical sets they used. As really? Opposed to, yeah, it wasn't like 300 where everything's a projection. <laughs> no, I'm not a fan. I don't care for 300, but um, I've never seen it, so yeah, it's not good. But I just, I just whoever directed it, I just because after that made a ton of money. Then it was like, I guess his philosophy was everything people touch has to be real. So, but other than that, sure. oh yeah, it's just all <laughs> yeah. CGI. Zach, Zack Snyder, he's uh, oh that was Zack Snyder. That's yeah, right. the, his, uh, his kids the, go to his kids go to Maranatha High School. Really, in Pasadena. Well, you should uh, if ever you encounter them in any way, you should say, "Hey, tell your dad to make better movies <laughs> to like settle, and just stop being down. the modern Michael Bay." You know that's I, true. Which I think that's true. Is. Which I that Superman movie was like, ugh. yeah. Right. Like, there's parts but they're all right but like the part where they're like they're like fighting in the small town yeah that went on I'm you mean not, destroying the small town for 20 minutes yeah yes i know you can blow somebody through a building i get it you got that down yeah. and then the fight at the end where they fought for like 45 minutes then he comes out and like there's another 20 minutes of fighting I'm like yeah. oh my god really yeah it's uh, and then the next scene they totally disregard the fact that millions of people just died yeah. You know, they're back at the day. Oh, I, we're going back to work now. It's Monday morning. Yeah. A single, <laughs> there's a single building standing and it's the Daily, the Daily Planet. Planet. Yes. Yeah. Well, like in that, in the Avengers movie that came out in May, like the Hulk and Iron Man are like kind of like wrestling, fighting around town mm-hmm. at one point and they go in the top of a building that's just a super, like the skeletal of it. The whole thing collapses. Mm-hmm. Then they just like roll into the next building like, you just brought down a whole building. Isn't there any oh, consequences people. to yeah. that? Well, and you know what? No Here's consequences. The They're just tearing up the city because, like, they are in a bad mood. And I'm like... I'll say this. There are, there are emotional consequences to it. Because in the first Avengers and in the second Avengers, when you have buildings being brought down, it very, it's very easy, and Man of Steel does it, it's very easy to be like, hey, you know what? Let's just try to evoke 9-11 and get some people emotionally on board with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It do, they don't the first Avengers doesn't do it. Like it doesn't have any 9/11 imagery, which is to say, and when I think 9/11 imagery, I think crowds running away from smoke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. In the middle of a city. Yeah. There's none of that in, in the first Avengers. In this the only time they use it is in that fight between Iron Man and the Hulk and Hulk sees it. He sees people dead and terrified of him and like he, it has an impact on him. so it's like so the only so i thought it was actually very mature that the only time they evoke 9-11 is when our own heroes have caused it yeah and they understand you what got that a lot means. more out of that scene than I did. yeah i know it's <laughs> i was I, just like uh, could they stop fighting already and they were oh, sure and they were just mad i didn't even know what they were like, just kind why of, were they angry yeah oh yeah. Uh, hulk uh, the all right sorry um, you have to say this out loud <laughs> go, so the, go. Tyler will now school us the the scarlet witch character who like got into like people's brains and stuff got into the hulk's brain and made him completely oh, insane. Okay. okay so iron man was just like okay we just need to get him away from the city and just neutralize him as much as we can okay. Okay. but he's just so hulky he's so hulky you know you can't get away from it um but uh 
so I do. We should probably start wrapping up now. Um, <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, uh, these conversations. So I'm from Oklahoma. Who are you again? <laughs> so, so Oklahoma, and then where did you move? Um, so, uh, yeah, and I do want to say real quick. So, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Passion of the Christ. We are going to talk about it on this show at some point. Um, I know it's supposed to evoke the old passion plays in Europe sure. in the Middle Ages, and those were like really bloody. Yeah. I know he was going for that, but I just couldn't make myself see it. Well, and the question is, and, and the question is then like, okay, you can evoke that, but then what? Like, if you're if you good for you for trying to do that, but what are you trying to do with it? And don't get me wrong, I do genuinely believe. I mean, there are people that saw that movie and became Christian. Oh yeah, no, it, and so it's yeah, like yeah, it really God can use it really, anything. No, it really affected people. Yeah. Like, and those people that used to, like, especially when I went to Universal Oklahoma in the 70s, and, like, they would stand on, like, the biggest retainer in the in the mall and, like, s- scream about John mm-hmm. 311. And, like, to me, it's like, oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed. Like, yeah. I'm part of that. I know people have been saved that way. Yeah. Hmm. I could never do that. I think that's such... I don't think that's the way you should present a message of love. Just yeah. shouting at people and attacking them with okay. this and like yeah. damning them and just looking crazy. Cause I yeah. think that's like, a, look, they're crazy. Why would I want to join that? I, that's embarrassing me to, but I know people have been saved. Yeah. By and I, and I won't, and people like, I'm not going to say, Oh, you shouldn't have been, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if that's, if that's how they came to Christ, more power to them. And I also have this thought, like, Sort of my own, uh, I'm speaking in Catholic terms, but my own uh, patron saint is uh, of podcasting, I think, is Jeremiah. Mm -hmm. And I tend to think, like, he probably looked pretty crazy, too. Like, just standing and saying pretty rough things that he felt like he he was supposed to be saying and nobody listened to him. So, it's just like, okay, well, don't get me wrong. I I keep saying, don't get me wrong. Uh, I apologize. (laughs) People, don't get me wrong. I I feel bad for saying it so often. Um, yeah, I also don't agree that people should have megaphones and stuff, but at the same time, like, it's not my... No? It certainly is not my place to say, well, certainly God can't use that. He can use anything and, no. and has used basically everything. Um, and so I that's I think the problem great. is that, that, that for the few people that actually are saved that way, many, many more, it reinforces their hatred right. for that sort of thing, right. or for Christians in general. No, you know, I, I agree. And I, you know... Yeah, it's... And, and so it's... It, for me, it winds up being this weird. I, f- I find myself torn because just like, well, obviously, I'm happy for the people that that got saved that way, and I should be. And I, so it's just like, well, you know, we got something. We got you know one lamb. We we got the one lamb, but it's like, yeah, but we also alienated several more who maybe will never come back. But then, it, but then I start thinking in terms of like, well, if God is clearly using this as he is, as people, you know, s- since people are being saved, if God is using this, then I'm just going to have to leave it up to him because, you know, I, I, I certainly don't think, I, I doubt anybody has ever become a Christian from, say, the Westboro Baptist. Like, I can say unequivocally, like, that's 100% wrong. Oh um, yeah, no, you no. know, like partially because I don't think but those somebody, people are but actually like the Christian. founder's daughter that was supposed to take over left recently or something like. It's yeah, kinda, I heard it's, that. it's showing signs of like crumbling because, because people keep telling. I've heard it several times where since nine eleven that all Islam is terrible and they're mm-hmm. all jihadists. Mm-hmm. But people in the Middle East, but and that was explained to me like that's 
that's like them saying all Christians are the Westboro Baptist exactly. Church. Yeah, yeah. Like it's the most extreme, the most polarizing, the smallest sect, yet because of their crazy ways, they get the most press. Yep. Yeah. So they think all oh, Christians are all that, and we, and we think all people all is people who believe in Islam are cutting off heads. Mm-hmm. When in fact, obviously, it's only like forty five percent. That's a joke, everybody. I'm making a joke. Forty five. Um, oh. But uh, but yeah uh, yeah with Passion of the Christ, I I didn't really respond to it, and I had this thought of like. Did you, if, feel, if did some, you feel pressured into as a, as a part of the a oh, community? Sure. Did you feel pressured into? Oh sure, seeing it. Yeah, I, I feel like any probably everybody was. Um, I remember I wanted to see it. I was curious. I just mm, um, I never wanted to. But you know what? Do what there is that I didn't. I'm just now realizing is the Blind Side. Oh, I didn't see that. I did. Which did I, you like it? I'm sorry for well, my deep sigh. <laughs> is it a Christian I film? See, uh, I wish you could see Tyler's uh, deflating when like something comes up. Is like, oh, here we go. I There's always a, a history. If I'm if I'm deflating in response to a movie, it's because I've had to talk about it a lot oh, okay, with people that okay. I don't agree with. But, but it does present Christian character in a positive light. It does. It's not crazy. That it is does. not has something horrible. She's trying to cover up and yeah. actually does things that bespeak of her faith. That her. It's her, sad when her, her, that's her, a move forward. You know what I mean? Her works and her acts are based on something she believes in. Yes. Kind of. Kind of. And I think that's... Uh, but if, I think if, if the, the movie were the, better, as a res- like if the, if the film were better and just better written, but the characters were still basically the same as far as motivations yeah. and, and all that, I'd be thrilled with it. But as it is, I feel like it's a... I think it's a remarkably dumb movie. Um, you know, I mean, I... I can't say I'm crazy about it, but like it really got to me. Really? Okay. I mean, like I've like I never had the urge to see it again. We ha- we own a copy of it. Hmm. I've never like I'm going to watch this again. Were you weeping again? I was. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's I weep a lot. Oh, did you see Inside Out? I did. Yeah. Oh my god, that yeah. just destroyed me. Did, did that get you? That just destroyed me. Robert, your thoughts? I forget. You don't care for it, right? What? How did you get that impression? Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. Obviously, no, I am. No, I loved it. You loved it? Yeah. I did. Oh. Or like Toy Story three, though, like the last fifteen minutes. Yeah. Toy Story three. Oh my god! A, that. it's my it's my most popular episode of More Than One Lesson because it's hard to talk about that movie and not get without weeping, without yeah. getting choked up. Uh, like who would like that film? There's so much going on in it that I think adults can relate to, and I genuinely think, and this almost goes back to I don't remember. Well, if, I think it's for. Were we talking about Fantastic Four on mic or off? Off. Off? Okay, well. Uh, oh, here it comes, world. Watch out. Well, I, what I was just going to say is that, like, that's a movie that, like, if you do it right, a movie like Toy Story 3 or E.T. or Iron Giant, like, if you do it right, kids and adults can see it, and both of them get their own individual yes, unique as, things yes, out of it, absolutely. as opposed to Fantastic Four, which is for nobody. Absolutely. You know, and try there. there's a way to try to make it for everybody, and nobody gets anything out of it. And then trying to make it for everybody, and everybody indeed gets something out of it. And yeah. I feel like Pixar mostly does it right, for the most part. Cars 2. Yeah, I saw Cars 2. Wait. I, so I, did, I have children. Of course I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> what, did, so are you saying that's a good one or a bad one? No, it's not. It's a Bond parody. It is. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful look at. It's gorgeous. It's not fun. Yeah. Okay, let me ask you this. So you've got kids. Yeah. Brave. How did that go over? I love Brave. I took my kids to see it. How did your kids respond? 
they didn't like it as much as me. I liked okay. it much more than them. Yeah. But I still, I thought it was like, it's, it's not in the, like, the, Pixar's back with Inside Out. Like, they've kind of been on, you know, because yeah, yeah. they, they had, like, amazing hit after amazing hit that were, like, you know, Wally and Up and yeah. Toy Story 3, like, landmark movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there was, like, Cars 2 and then, um, what was it? What was Monsters it? University know. wasn't bad. I liked that. I didn't see that. It's not bad. Um, it's, I wound up like, but they keep, saying, but they keep saying they're back with inside out. And I'm like, what about brave? I didn't love brave as much as I wanted to. I That's really a gorgeous brave. movie. Yes. Visually. Oh it was God. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, but the story was very strange. Boy, did I not see that? The whole bear thing coming. They did not, uh, I know it's, it's interesting. It's Emma Thompson, which like, come on. Yeah. She's great. She's the greatest. And Billy Connolly, of course. Yes, they're great. Um, did you see brave? I saw Brave. I'm trying to remember what it was that, that I did not it was like. It Irish. She's like... No, no, I, I remember the movie, but... She's Arrow. Aubrey and I watched the movie, and we had a discussion afterwards about how, how... It seems like the discussion was about how the movie didn't actually make the kid apologize for what she had done wrong. Oh, yeah. And we are like... Why? It was a wish that went wrong. The mom turned into a bear. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I guess... Mean, it's kind of like an Irish legend. Type. Is she Scottish or Irish or something? I think Scottish. Um... Oh, Billy Connolly. Yeah, it's Scottish. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. But I think I think it's this uh, this idea of like these two genus, generations, you know, reconciling mom and daughter and seeing things from each other's point of view. But yeah, I see what you, Robert. I see what you mean. I think Jen and I were having that same discussion on the ride home, which was does it is the daughter genuinely required to see things from her mom's point of view and. Or is it more just like, well, I mean, you know, the daughter still gets her way. And then it's like, well, I mean, I also don't want my mom to be a bear, obviously. <laughs> you know, like, nobody, it's like, yeah. I may not like her, but I certainly don't want her to be remember, a, I, I still want remember, her to be a human. I can't remember the specifics of the plot, but I remember being, this is really good. And nobody's kind of like, excited about it. There are moving things about it. Um, and again, it's... Uh, it's. I thought it was just gorgeous. Like I thought, oh, I yeah. love the the color palette. Oh, it's beautiful. And stuff like oh, yeah. That. yeah. Um, as opposed. Okay. All right. So we're just completely off the rails, which is fine. <laughs> uh, th- thoughts on Frozen, everybody. Uh, that's one that I also thought was gorgeous. Didn't see it. And I, I don't think I hate the movie, but boy, do I not like it. I really liked it. Man, story wise, that thing is it's just ice a queen. Hodgepodge. Everybody knows uh, ice cream. The Snow Queen. I can't remember what the it's Hans Christian Andersen. I thought the music was really good. I thought this... It's Broadway-level music. All that was good. It constantly kind of surprised me, even though you know the story. Yeah. And I thought the characters were good. I mean, because it, it looks like... A, it almost looks like the Fox and the Hound. It's like an old-style yeah. kind of Disney, even though I think it's... It's not flat animation. It's like... The yeah, go, it's still the oh, 3D thing. Yeah, but yeah, the 3D thing. What's not to like, Tyler? I really liked it. I mean, I'm not, I don't sing Let It Go all the time in the car by myself. I am. That's <laughs> in my review, because uh, I actually, I saw a critic screening of it. So I saw it before it was a phenomenon. Became a thing. Yeah. And uh, so in my review, I'm just like, ah, this script is all over the place. And I feel like there's not some great motivations. I really like 3D ice uh, well rendered uh, but I but there's a whole paragraph devoted to the let it go sequence where she's singing it as she's building her ice palace it's amazing a great, great it's a great sequence, sequence. oh my um, god and and that song like I won't begrudge anybody saying that song it's 
a bit overplayed, but like, and it's certainly it's a it's as Broadway as you get. Like, it's almost oh, like yeah. they wrote it it's with like the, it's the like adaptation the, it's in mind. First act closer, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's absolutely. Or the second what it act is. beginner when they're trying to wake people up from the drowsy yeah. intermission, yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, so that sequence is really good, but I do feel like, I mean, like you know, the rock trolls, like that whole. Oh sequence. well, I obviously you have not seen any of the Barbie movies. Uh, <laughs> you're you're making an incorrect assumption. And of course, I'm not seeing any Barbie <laughs> movies. Uh, well, uh, my daughter, I've, 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 I, my daughter's not 18, but like all young girls, she liked. She wasn't crazy Barbie crazy, but she liked Barbie. But every year, mm-hmm. towards the holidays, they would come out with a, new, a Barbie as Rapunzel or Barbie like Barbie would take a new right, character, right. and there would be an adjoining movie that was all part of the marketing plan uh, one year it was barbie and the nutcracker mm-hmm. and it's crazy then the nutcracker is kind of crazy really yeah the it's ballet insane. it's like and the mask takes off and then they do it's it's really crazy but when they go to the land it's like they, it's like they go to Candyland, mm-hmm. and then half the movie she's being chased by a rock monster <laughs> That the evil, I forget who the evil, it's not the mouse, it's the evil, but it's... I thought, aren't the rats evil in... in but in the, the Barbie Duncracker? movie, I can't remember who, oh, okay. <laughs> who was the evil person that conjures up the rock monster. Oh, okay, all right. But I've, there's, I've already seen that rock monster once before. And that, if you want to see some hand-fisted, computer-generated stuff, like her hair was like... like um, a piece of roofing. It was like this <laughs> thing that like... Yeah. So do you mean to tell me... It was a terrible bar- story and horribly movies. animated. I know they were not, are not as good. They were not inside out, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> they were not. Did you see Tangled? You know, I didn't. I love Tangled. I heard Tangled's good. It's great. You saw that? Did you see the fox? No, I'm sorry, the frog and the princess. I did. I thought that it was right. movie is beautiful. Oh yeah, the color so palette of that movie incredible and that one bums me out because that was the uh, the 2d animation like disney was yeah, trying yeah, to yeah, return yeah, to that yeah, yeah, yeah. but the movie like didn't do great financially it did fine okay but it I didn't really do great li- yeah, i really liked it and so it's like the last so like disney sort of took that as like all right well i guess people don't want 2d animation it's like no it's fine just keep i know do that i it's think that fine. was john Lasseter trying to like we're gonna get, i think didn't he get the old unit I think so. I have a lot going from Art Center. I have a lot of friends that have been in animation forever, mm-hmm. and I think they were kind of like, "Oh, look, this would come back." And we'll do it'd be great things. if it did. I would like it. You know, I mean, there's certainly. I mean, companies are doing great stuff with 3D animation. Like, I'm not going to begrudge them that. But if it com- since it has completely taken over 2D, that kind of bums me out because you know that's what I grew up on. And uh, there were so many of those Disney movies for a while. It was like Chicken Little, and there was Bolt, and there yeah. was a whole bunch of them. There were just. Believe me, I saw them all because my kids went to see them. Of course. But they're just... Ugh. I'm very happy that uh, the whole Shrek thing is over. I know that's not Disney. That's DreamWorks. Yeah, the first but, like, one is pretty good. first one's not bad. And the second one... And then a third. But then, then it, it just became like this... It became like a pop culture reference fest. That's all Everything was. was like a song or a reference. And I'm like, oh my God, can't they just... <laughs> Well, they did Shrek, and then they did Shrek 2, and, like, for a long time, those were the, like, family films. Oh, yeah. That, that it, oh, adults can see it, too, because yeah, look yeah, at these yeah. jokes. Well, yeah. Then Pixar does Finding Nemo and The Incredibles, and you realize, oh, you don't need these dumb pop culture jokes for adults to be involved. Just create good characters, yes. and uh, and I'll be involved, you know? The Incredibles is, like, one of the best movies of all oh, time. so great. <laughs> I think it's amazing. That's Brad Bird, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Because based on The Incredibles, because I know he made Iron Giant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which and is marvelous. Incre- and Incredibles. And then he directed... He did Ratatouille. Ratatouille. Which, which I love. Which is so great. Yeah. That last 10 minutes where 
Peter O'Toole is the critic and reading mm-hmm. the whole thing. Oh my God, that just killed me. Yeah. Just, especially as a critic. Oh yeah. It's uh, just how they risk nothing. And oh, that's which such... I don't actually agree with. But no, 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 but, but I, it's <laughs> such a great. No, it's. It, I mean, to, th- to that movie about rats mm-hmm. getting to that. Well, and what it what it winds up being is is that the critic, he's allowed redemption, and there are other movies where there's a critic character and there's just nothing but condemnation, and I feel like that's it's usually off, Sebastian Cabot going, hmm, no, <laughs> it's not. But so based Sebastian on the, the Cabot, based, I know who references Sebastian know, Cabot. Who, who, I'm sorry, who would want to? Uh, <laughs> but based on that, I went to see Tomorrow. Did you guys see Tomorrowland? I no. did. I thought it was all right. I didn't love it. Yeah, no, it was, it was right. so many good ideas. Hmm. Yeah, but I feel there like was so many scenes that are like, here's more, pl- like here's an explanation of the plot. Well, when you there's think several about it, scenes like that, it reminded me of a high budget, well acted Christian film. Kind of, you're right. It had a lot of ideas. Yes, it led with the ideas more yes. than story, and then yeah. it's like, oh well, we got to have a story. So they just have the most, like, just really obvious uh, exposition. Yeah. And so, so like, they just do all that. And, uh, and yeah, and it's not... And then how it came around to the end where they're all, like, and here are all the good people that go to Tomorrowland. And, like, oh, that was so moving, I thought. Yeah. But there was so much of it. And George Clooney, again, like, so great. I mean, like... Oh, yeah. At points of it, I'm, I, he looked like, oh, my God. Like, I know I got to finish this movie, you know, (laughs) but still he's so great to watch. And the girl was really good too. I liked her. I liked the girl playing the, the, the robot, uh, character. Yeah. And then, um, and I like Hugh Laurie in everything. I enjoy him a lot. Uh, but then again, they have like, here's the portal to another world. I'm like, Oh my Mm. God, stop that. (laughs) Stop that. I, it'd be neat if, if a, uh, if like a studio, head was just like hey uh send a memo to everybody working on a film right now portals to other worlds and stop that the dystopian future the teenagers please stop that too because well that's just my my godson that went to chat just graduated from chapman that was a running joke like because they spend the last two years of their they spend two years of their college have their college experience developing their script for their senior level film and Hmm. the junior senior level film (laughs) he couldn't believe how many of them are like in a dystopian future yeah, and I'm like, first of all, like you can never just financially, you can't pull that off unless yeah. you're going to be like, what's his face? Like showing a lot Godard and did like Alphaville, like set in pa- it's like Paris, but it's like, mm-hmm. it's really Paris, but they treat like it's this crazy other place, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. You're never going to like be able to set dress like some dystopian future. In fact, they, uh, in fact, but there was one, <laughs> one film that did that. Did it do it well? Oh my God. <laughs> It looked like some bad '80s video. Like of people are like, wearing like trash bags, and and um, and they got rid of people by sending them to like some sort of trash shoot. So we walk in the street, and then all of a sudden, like this guy would just come shooting out of a trash shoot. And that was how they got rid of people. Mm. Oh, it's crazy. I like that idea, but Tra- it was it was. Just, I'm sure it's executed it was, terribly. It was laughing, inducing. Um, but Tomorrowland, when they because they the practical stuff they shot at Brasilia. I don't know what that is. Brasilia. Robert, you're looking for place. No. <laughs> Brazil built a whole new capital city, city called Brazil, and it is still the capital of Brazil in the mm-hmm. mid-60s. Mm-hmm. So all the architecture is frozen in time, and it's all futuristic, 60s futuristic. Yeah. And it's also there. Now it's falling apart because they haven't really particularly maintained it, but all the, the exteriors for Tomorrowland are, were shot in Brasilia. 
It makes sense. I but, do love because I do love like the retro future kind of. No, thing. that's what it was. That's all it is in Brasilia, and it's still there. It's in the middle of the forest, and it's still their capital. But I've heard this; they're not too busy building soccer stadiums to maintain their capital city. I kind of like but that. But as, as a kid in the mid '60s, and like when the future, and I tried to explain to my kids to like, like all these films, like especially in the '50s, like the future was like we're all things came true and it was all mm. great and, and everything looked like the future because that was where greatness was. And then all of a yeah. sudden the future became this horrible, yeah. nobody wanted to go to the future. It was horrible. It's all dark and foreboding and terrible. And like, I don't know how you had to explain my children. That's why things in the sixties and seventies, like the future's a good place. And then all of a sudden the future's like terrible. And it's the future still like, I can't tell you one film today to like, they go into the future and it's like, it's always literally the dystopian future. That is, you never hear about the future. It's always the dystopian future, which is always terrible. Robert, you're the sci-fi guy. When did that start to change? Uh, what, into, uh, like, the default is dystopian? Well, not not even in films, but, like, just... In general assumption? But, I mean, like, all, like, the googie coffee shop architecture from the 50s and 60s in Los Angeles that's almost gone, it was all purposely made to look like the future. Mm-hmm. Because that was good. Yeah. And now we're and and now we're like now we and they used to tear they used to tear down buildings that were old because old is bad. Mm-hmm. Now we spend a lot of money like reviving old buildings, remodeling, refacing them, which is I think is good too. Yeah, but nobody's building anything that looks particularly futuristic anymore. And so it, usually, what they build things now is like to represent something from the past. Hmm. I guess that's true. I don't know enough about architecture to speak to that. But, but, I, but I'm just saying as a, it, as a cultural zeitgeist, yeah. like that was the whole thing. Well, and I'm sure, and honestly, I, if, if maybe I'm overestimating, but I don't think so. I think film probably led the way on that as far as... Or usually it picks up things that are already yeah, like I, existing. I, and, I would venture to say probably in the 70s, right, right, Robert? Like when cynicism is at an all-time high. Film historians even look at the, well, that, you're, my, you're my sci-fi guy. That's, am that's, I? I look at you that I'm just way, now yeah. learning this, by the way. Oh, okay. No, I'm thinking, uh, I, I'm thinking of it more in terms of like... The transition from optimistic JFK to, you know, Johnson in Vietnam—it's like the outlook yeah. on life in general changed. Yeah, no, yeah. Well, and so kind of yeah, and, and so then the and then Nixon. So the kind of fiction that comes out of that, or the kind of assumed future. Even though Nixon's such a fascinating guy. Oh, I'm, I'm continually fascinated by He's, that guy. Have you been to the museum? No. You haven't? No. Oh my! You have to go. Like, wait a minute! I did. Is it in Whittier? I went to Reagan's, and then I went to yeah. I did. Reagan's is oof. <laughs> and married to a Republican, believe me. She took me there and I thought, I'm going to be like, like a Nazi. I'm going to be like a Jew in like Hitler's bunker. Like they're going to find me out and string me up. And the, but I got so much trouble at the gift shop because the gift shop was crazy at the Reagan library. Talking Dennis Miller doll. Yeah. Not kidding. <laughs> yeah. Get oh, us yeah, out I of know. the UN. It has less spine than a pamphlet. You know, like. Where you pull the string in his back or something? Yes. Wow. Then I'm not, ki- I'm not kidding. And talking and Coulter doll. I'm not kidding. Mm. But to make her talk, instead of pushing the back, you had to push like right between her legs and the front. What? Like you were like finger that's banging her. A, oh my gosh! I did say them. I think podcast. that's. I think that's okay. That's on the line. Yeah, that's that's right on the line. <laughs> Vance, you're on. You're on. The, I, I'm on Christian podcast probation. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, Cr- completely crazy. But the but it's it's all this glorification of like how great he was. Of course. But, which and just watch the Republican debates the other night. Yes, they couldn't stop bringing up Reagan. Yeah. Like, like, well, what are they going to do? Bring, bring up Bush? Of course not. They got to go back to the last one I that know. everyone. And, uh, you know, I always hated. You won forty nine states in eighty four. Like horrible life. But the Nixon Museum is fair. I mean, just artistically, the way it's set up, it's so much more interesting. 
And there's a whole, there's a whole like Watergate wing. He does not. When did you go? Because I don't remember the Watergate stuff being. That it's been expensive. seven or eight years, but I know they've closed it down recently because and added to it. And it is the only presidential library that is privately funded. Hmm. All the others are state supported, and he's still from the grave. Nixon, yeah, is massaging his image. Well, it's he is somebody that I find he's infinitely fascinating. Oh, so fascinating, so complete. Did you see the Frost Nixon movie? I did. Yes, great. which I thought was so great, and yeah. even though I don't think that much of it is I mean obviously the interview parts are mm-hmm. but the other rest of it is you know it's dramatized yeah. 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 yeah but like how you just man he had it all and just undid himself mm-hmm. yeah from it's, his own paranoia you, you read uh, Nixon Land by chance no really thick tome came out probably about eight years ago yeah and it's uh, it's essentially uh, a description of why America became the way it did right about the time Nixon kind of came along of course yeah. it was all Vietnam yeah and, yeah yeah and all that just really fascinating kind of take it's very it's from the liberal perspective but um but he was so like you might Ma- like it he was McCarthy's like lapdog yeah there all those all the communist hearings in the 50s mm-hmm. how he survived that is like incredible because he just became such a pariah and how he made it back in like his wilderness years and yeah all that stuff and his crazy wife and so here's okay here's a oh he's so fa- but he's he, I think he was so smart I'm like all the stuff he did with China and opening all that stuff yeah. and mm-hmm. and actually America the economy was in pretty good shape then I mean there was starting to be inflation but like pretty much it was pretty good and then he just undid himself so here's okay alright letting people behind the curtain a little bit uh, <laughs> of me so uh, I have found in uh, various counseling sessions that mm-hmm. a good shorthand for me is like, okay, what movie characters, okay, which ones remind you of yourself right now? Mm-hmm. Which ones do you f- worry you will become like? Mm-hmm. That you could re- you have a reasonable worry you could become like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not talking about like Jason Voorhees or something like that. <laughs> um, and then which ones do you think you could reason, you would, you aspire to be and like within reason, you know, I'm not, yeah. again, not going to be captain America. Yeah. Um, so within the, the characters I am like, mm-hmm. uh, they're almost always negative. Um, <laughs> I've got like Salieri from Amadeus. Hmm. What? I've got miles from sideways. That's uh Paul Giamatti's Oh my character. God. I love that movie. And then I have almost every cinematic depiction of Richard Nixon. Um, really? specifically in Oliver Stone's Nixon. I've never seen, that. It's really good. It's a great movie. It's it's really great. It's um, um it's Joan Allen and Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, yeah. and it, and just an all star cast in general. It's very yeah. much kind of like JFK, except mm-hmm. less yeah. of an ensemble. Yeah. But um, anyway, and so uh, so I so so do you? I feel I feel a surprising to, amount to of kinship act, to, with to, fictional Nixon. I was going to say dramatized. It, it's Nixon. not real. Nixon, but not real de- Nixon. Fictional but depictions of Richard Nixon. Yeah, depictions of Nixon. Yeah, which is a an episode of Battleship Pretension I want to do at some point because he's been dramatized a lot on screen. You seen he's Philip Baker Hall as Nixon in, in Secret Honor? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Really? Oh yeah. Is it That's good? Hard to watch. Yeah, it's a Robert Altman film. It's just it's there just is one character one, yeah, just in it. Him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all alone. One yeah. man show. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, and uh, but yeah, whether it be Frost Nixon or the movie Nixon or. Secret the, have you seen all the president's men recently? It's one of my favorites. Oh, it's so it's good. So good. <laughs> yeah. It's literally. I'm not kidding. You watch that movie. I'm like, this is happening now, and the only thing that betrays it is the technology. Oh sure. When they pick up a phone, or you see this giant TV in the background. Like, oh, this is old. 
but the <laughs> no, analogy, so but, but even the way it's shot, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. everything about it is so contemporary, and it oh, is yeah. riveting. It's can't it, stop watching. I know I that, can't stop. I like every so often I'll come on. I'm like I can't stop watching this. You would never think that it's that so movie great. is. And it was for ma- me. It's like Raiders of the Lost Ark. If something is, if it's on, well, now I know what I'm doing for the next couple hours. Like it's, I will stop what I'm doing and I will watch all the President's Men whenever it's on. And it's just like it feels like you're watching a thriller. Yes, but you're not. Except you are. It's very. There's a lot of intrigue well, okay, going. Okay, here's on. my challenge to both of you. Okay, because all the President's Men came out fairly quickly after the actual Watergate. Yeah, seventy six. Okay. Will Michael Bay's Benghazi, which is almost following a very similar path of mm-hmm. depicting a political event, almost too close for it to have any kind of contexture yet? Do you think yeah. it'll have the same effect? That'll be the same? I doubt. He's not. He's not. Somehow, a, he's not, not Alj Palooka. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah it's. But it's almost exactly the same. It's set almost, up time wise course of events. That's the thing. <laughs> Michael Bay is not Catherine Bigelow with Zero Dark Thirty. Uh, he is not Paul Greengrass with United 93. Like, mm-hmm. and he is not, uh, Alan J. Pakula where with, uh, all the president's men. Like but he he's is just, Michael Bay with Pearl Harbor. He is <laughs> right. With yeah. bad boys. Give, give, him, too. give him 60 years and maybe he'll make a move. Oh, so, no, sorry. Did that you was see when he was well. doing the presentation for Apple and his teleprompter went out? Oh yeah. It was hard oh, to watch. Oh my God. You not seen that? Wait, what? Ha- as soon as we leave, you have to Google that. Who did this? It's like, here's a man who you would assume is like the most confident man in the world. Yes. And he doesn't know his lines. He's giving he, a, he's giving an, a Steve Jobs like, I'm cutting you off. Robert, I'm no, sorry. No, fine. He's getting like a Steve Jobs. I think it was for Apple, wasn't it? it was I, that I don't recall. I just remember. But how it was he was presenting some sort of technology he was involved with at a at a some big conference, like okay. Steve Jobs. His teleprompter goes out and he flips out and walks off stage. Michael Bay? Yes. He tries to piece together a few sentences, yes. but he doesn't really know what he's talking about. Yes. So he or he, maybe he does, but not in that context. And so he just sort of kind of gets the flop sweat and kind oh, of boy. rubs his hands on oh, his thighs. It and is like, spectacular. Oh, I gotta, I gotta, and just walks away. Yeah. I have a comedy question <laughs> along along those lines. Have you ever have you ever been performing a set and just completely blank on what you're going to say next? You know, I can't. I'm sure I have. I can't really remember any right now. Mm-hmm. I've always been a. I mean, I do a lot of material, so I'm constantly memorizing things. So my abilities to memorize things are usually pretty good. Mm-hmm. But I and I do still to this day. I'll take a set list on stage with mm-hmm. me like how they didn't pay anything to see me like I'm gonna like cheat them out <laughs> like, this is not a professional he's looking at notes it's, I've never bla- I mean, there have been times where like I've gotten so unnerved and so nervous mm-hmm. that and I just f- feel like the flop sweat oh, yeah. coming yeah. down where it's like pulling in my shoes <laughs> do you still get nervous every time? I don't some, I, there's times I do I did a show last week that was like there was like one person in the audience. It was kind of a fancy show at the Comedy Palace. One? They, they had one, they had book comics, fancy book comics before the open mic. What's a book comic? I had a book spot at the oh, show. Oh, you booked, okay. I yeah, see. yeah. Yeah, look at me at this fancy show. Sorry, keep talking. Uh, and then the open mics afterwards. Well, of course, like 30 people show for the open mic. Sure. So the people that were later in the booked part got an audience. I was first no. and there was like... But don't you find that the, when it's a, an open mic like that and suddenly all these people show up, most of them are people waiting to go on, and then you're 
you're basically doing your bit for people who are just going through their their own lines in their own head. That's yeah. And the laughs sometimes don't feel, that happens. No, sometimes it doesn't feel like real laughter if it's other comics. Do you know what I mean? I don't care if it's real or not. <laughs> like they laughed at my dumb joke, I win. You know, I don't. I don't qualify the. Quali- it's a laugh. Quality of the laugh. It's a laugh. A laugh yeah, is a good. laugh to me. Good. Now you, you teach stand up, correct? Well, I've taught it to middle schoolers. Okay, which, which I used fascinates to, me. Well, they're yeah. already funny. Yeah, but they don't know it. Well, um, it's been more like. It's one of those things like, I've, and this is complete pretense on my part, and Judith Shelton teaches stand-up, and she does a great job, but I'm like, the whole thing, like, people that do, do, and people can't teach. Like, mm-hmm, you know, yeah. I've, that's just a dumb prejudice of mine, which is like, Martin Scorsese teaches at, you know, NYU. Yeah. I mean, like, that just blows that whole theory out of the water. Mm-hmm. And people are like, why don't you teach stand-up? And, you know, like, why would I want to make money on this thing I've done for 25 years? Why would that happen? Mm-hmm. You know, like, maybe I should do that, you know? And then I just end up doing it at the middle school because I need money. And they, and they mm-hmm. said, because the middle school, summer school is not for middle, it is not for credit, it's for enrichment. So oh, okay. you have, don't have to teach any kind of, I'm not a credited, I don't have a yeah. teaching certificate mm-hmm. or been credited by the state. So people pitch classes to, and it's, it's not run by the school district. There's a, in South Pasadena, there's a wholly separate thing called the South Pasadena Educational Foundation and their whole goal is to raise money for the school district Mm -hmm. so they put on these classes and people pay and they raise money for the school district and so it's all like there's a sewing class and animation class and like uh, design a anime character class and Mm -hmm. movie makeup blood class and there's all those classes so I taught because I I did improv for like 10 years and I was in the groundlings and all that business so I've Mm -hmm. taught improv and improv is fun to teach and kids are that's a good age for kids to do improv because they're still kind of they're not all like congealed and like I don't want to be. They're getting to the point where like everything's embarrassing. They're almost there, yeah. but not quite. When they're in middle school, but the stand-up, the first year was so horrible. It was ever, and I know the adult version of these kids were like, they just want attention. Mm-hmm. Most normal, personally, I feel most normal people that are pushed to perform have something to say. Like I have to say this. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not going to result in anything that improves my life or makes me money or gets me sex or anything. I just, I have to say this. Mm-hmm. The sociopathic version of that is I just want attention. <laughs> yeah. So that the first year I taught middle school, summer school, it was just these kids that want to make fart noises and stick themselves in the hand with a, with a pencil. So they had to go to the office. So the lead would break in their hand. Oh. They just want attention. Sitting down in front of the mic all the time. <laughs> so when I'm like, I'm never teaching this class again. This is the worst. And there was two kids who were quite talented. And the mm. rest of them were just sociopaths. Talented at telling jokes? Yes. Wow. And really, and, and, and it was never my goal. Like, I'm going to teach them how to write Kardashian jokes. I'm not, yeah. it's not going to serve them. For two weeks, I prompted them about, you know, things that have, a 10 to 14 year old experience you know tell me about your favorite Christmas tell me about your favorite Halloween tell me about your crazy parents I just prompted them with questions just to get them to talk and I would mm-hmm. take notes and then like then the second two week kind of development oh here's you know you said this about your dad like this one kid like his parents are, you know and then you're like oh then they're divorced and you're trying to figure out you know who with who and they're talking about their parents and this like this one the 
the kid's divorced. His mom, I guess, is happy that dad was sad after the divorce. And so he, the dad, when Christmas had a fake Christmas tree and they couldn't find the stand, so they just laid the tree down. <laughs> <laughs> So they had a depressed Christmas tree <laughs> laying down with lights and decorations on it. I'm like, oh, I want to steal that so bad. It's so great. He may never know. No, yeah. no. That kid, oh boy. And this that kid's kid, got bigger problems this than kid, like you t- stealing his he material. Was, he was a little bit of like, oh, I bet this kid gets picked on. He was kind of mm-hmm. chubby and yeah. kind of a bad haircut. And, but he, and, because uh, I would, because you had to walk around camps like, hey, Mr. Sanders, you know, yeah, always, you know. So that, that then the second year I taught it, the class was at eight o'clock in the morning and the kids were literally too tired to act out. Uh, oh, oh, all right. Is that Smart. a good thing or a bad thing? It was good. Okay. So I'd get them like they're like, like this with their heads on the desk because it's eight o'clock in the morning. And that's yeah. it was a terrible time to try to be funny. Yeah. But at least it calmed them down enough where I could like work with them individually. Mm-hmm. Now, this past year I taught a stand up slash improv class and where it was like and it was also 25 kids which is a lot of kids i'm like hmm. all of you can try stand up at one point i can't because i do a little show on the last day like all of you cannot do stand up because there'd be no time for anything else mm-hmm. so it went from like 20 to like 12 to like four kids did stand up okay and it was fine one kid was kind of one kid was fairly talented and he he told me how he watched stand up all the time on tv hmm. and that was really his passion and all the stuff i'm like good keep keep working on it. You'll just mm-hmm. get better. You know, the more it's like anything, you know, first time you go skiing, you're terrible, you know what? And you keep doing it in two years and that'd be bad. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like anything in life. Mm-hmm. Just keep doing it and you'll, you know, you'll get better at it. Now I know that in the, obviously you're dealing but I, with can, middle can you schoolers, teach somebody like, to be funny? That, that was my, that was going to be my know. question. You know, some of like these, what kids, kind of stuff do you specifically teach? Like what kind of stuff do you say? Like, Oh, do this. And, it's I would pitch jokes to them and whether, cause the first year I would pitch jokes to them. I'd write them down and keep notes. Well, first I made little notebooks for them. So they would write down their own things. Like that was crazy for me to think that kids would actually write things down. Mm. That was crazy. So then I just kept, I kept notes for myself and I would just try to help them punch up things that they'd said about their lives. I mean, cause I personally, I, to me, the most fun yet the hardest thing to do in stand-up is to reveal yourself. And I just think that is true in stand-up as it is in life. Mm-hmm. The hardest thing is to reveal yourself. Most people spend most of their time not revealing themselves because it's too painful and hurtful if it goes wrong. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to get these kids in a way, talking about their personal life, to reveal themselves. Yeah. Now, sometimes that was good and sometimes they're, I could tell they were just resisting. I'm yeah. like, well, I don't think it's... Like I said, I'm not going to teach you how to write jokes about Donald Trump. Right. There's tons of material there. But sure. Like, that's not, you're not aware of that. That's not going to help you. Yeah. But just to get them to, and I don't think, is there a stand up industry to go into? Maybe a little bit. I don't think that's the purpose of this class. But for you to be able to get up in front of a group of people, Hold their attention. Explain your ideas. Will serve you your entire life, no matter mm-hmm. what you do. Because every year, you know, everyone's number one fear is public speaking. Yeah. And no matter what job you go into, at some point you're going to have to get up in front of people and explain your ideas. That's something that always fascinates me because I, while I have not yet jumped into the 
jumped into like the the Republican primary or anything like that. Yeah. I, I haven't watched that debate yet. Uh, I love watching them. I like I love politics. I love the political theater yeah. at all yeah. on on both sides. Yeah. Um, but one thing that always fascinates me is just like you. It's like you're running for president, president of the United States, and again, this is on both sides. Yeah. And you, you're clearly intelligent. But you have no communication skills at yeah, all. And no. while I recognize that there that it, you have to have substance as well as style, you need style as well. well. They've all like, been so, so prepped, coached. Yep. Yeah, but not coached in the way that no, they no, no. should. Well, they've been coached to be like. I don't think they've been coached to be themselves. They've been coached to be like someone's perception of what a president yeah. should be like. Because John McCain, who lost, yeah, another. F- all my friends are like my children's parents, mm-hmm. <laughs> my children's friends' parents. She worked in Washington for a long time and she knew John McCain. And even though he was Republican, he used to make fun of like the super conservative ones. And sure. he, he was really cool and smart. And I always liked him, he even though I've, ne- I, I've never, he was, I mean, they just, they turned that into this horrible thing sure. saying, stop saying Maverick. You know, what does it mean? Yeah. But he, and I've never, I've been a lifelong Democrat mm-hmm. to much of my parents and my wife's dismay. But he was like the rebel rouser in the Republican Party. And then he ran for president. And she said they turned him into this thing he used to make fun of at parties. Yeah. Super conservative, yeah. toeing the line, yeah. never stepping, you know, out of, you know, they just turn him into this thing that, that and she said it was sad. Because he actually is a good guy and fairly intelligent. But then they just, then the the party mm-hmm. gets a hold of you and you have to do this and that and be this and that. Well, and then and he was Sarah Palin too, which was like, yeah, that's such a spectacular, like talk yeah, about, I'm, yeah, I'm actually, we vetted her. Oh my God. Yeah, I'm actually, uh, f- more conservative now than I was. Uh, but in 20, in 2008, like I didn't, like I didn't mind McCain and I didn't mind, uh, Obama. I didn't mind either one. But then when he chose Sarah Palin, that was enough. It's like, Oh, you're just doing that to get elected. Yep. Like, she can't to, possibly bring anything to the table. And don't be wrong. If they had waited on her, if they had waited and like groomed her, let her get more executive experience, then like by now, 2016, she could have been a really, really good candidate. Oh, but she's so crazy. But that's the thing. She's crazy because she got put in the spotlight way too fast. I feel like. I think they, she needs longer. Longer than, than oh, yes. the last eight years? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, she, it, well, it's hard to know well, because we know what has she's happened. She's a facet. She's such an egotist. Like she mm-hmm. still thinks she's right. She's been knocked down yeah. so many times and like ridiculed, rightfully so, because she mm-hmm. says incredibly stupid things. She still thinks she's she's all that. Mm-hmm. Still, I'm thing. like, wow. I want that ego. And she, I want like to be able to like, yeah, you're dumb. No, I'm not. Listen to this. You but know? that's the thing. You need that ego if you're going to. You need the ego, but you also need the stuff to back it up. And she has the chari- the like on stage charisma. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's like like there's a reason that people like really fell in love with her. And it's like there's something like and she's, then she, she could be very charming. Yeah, and then she opened her mouth. And, and then she started talking, and it was unfortunate. But like, but yeah, in that same way, it's just I just find you know you were talking about Reagan. I don't consider myself a huge Reagan fan, but at the same time, I watch those old speeches and the, and old debates with him, and I was just like, "Oh, he's a great he was, he was the a great, great communicator. Actor. He's a great actor." And that's the thing; he had acting experience, yep. and that could put him over. And he used to quote his old movies all the time. Yeah, and nobody was like, "I'm in a movie with a this chimp." Is, this is before Google was a thing. Like, you yeah. just like put this in, and like, this is from that movie. He's like just doing old dialogue. But you know what? He knows when no, it works. No, no, no. <laughs> believe me, him and. 
I loved Clinton, and then you know he had sexual indiscretions, and yeah. and he has a great idea. He was again undone by his personal demons. Yeah. But since then, oh sure, when he's like spoken at like Democratic like convention stuff, like I would sleep with him. Like he <laughs> he is the most amazing speaker. Oh yeah, so amazing. Yeah, and it's and you and you go like oh, I get it. There is something to be said for being presidential. Yes. And it's not, it's more than just your ideas. It's more even than just your ideology. There's something about like being able to rally behind someone, someone who seems like a leader. And regardless of what people, again, regardless of politics, in 2012, like I thought Mitt Romney had a presidential quality to him. Oh, really? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you're a Republican, like, right? Yes. Okay. And I, he wasn't my guy in that primary. I'm not. I didn't mean to say that in like a disparaging way. I'm just. Yeah, yeah, I'm fact checking. Yeah. It's in that. It, I'm in a mixed marriage. I'm. I, I will say that again. And it's, but that thing, like I thought he did very well in the debates, like at least from a presentational standpoint. Yeah. Um, and it's just like right, he was the head of companies, and when you're the head of something, people look to you, and you need to be able to express yourself well. And so, in that same way, and frankly, I wish candidates took a stand-up class so they could learn, because stand-up is all about taking, you know, taking stuff from your own life and making it relatable to yeah. other people. Yeah. And I feel like yeah. I feel like the best politicians are the ones that can actually glean stuff from their own lives. Yeah. And use it to say to the voters, well, like, that's what the I'm best, like that's you. That's what the best ministers do. Oh, sure. They use an example from their own lives to highlight or get across a point they're trying to make that day in their sermon. Yeah. And, I've, and I've gone to churches where a pastor, or more specifically, like, an assistant pastor who suddenly someone decided should start preaching, uh, they're just like, wow, you are palpably uncomfortable up there. Oh, wait till you get the minister that starts doing film clips. Uh, I had that guy for a while. <laughs> Film clips, like what? For some, <laughs> there was a Disney adventure movie. I think it was in the late eighties called The Adventure of Natty Gann. Oh yeah, yeah. Did you ever see that? Oh my god, he loved that movie. It's such a non. It's like Call of the Wild, but with a girl. Kind of is like okay. in wintry West. Okay, eighteen ninety something. Very Jack. Endless kind of clips from the adventures from of Natty Gann during his sermon. So he doesn't have Jeremiah Johnson. He no. doesn't have anything it was specifically. Like, oh Jack my London. God! Could you get a new VHS, please? <laughs> please get. Like, oh, we're having some tracking issues here. Get Harriet the Spy or something, but like <laughs> something else. But that was that was like. Oh, I mean, I think that was his. He had nothing. I'm not saying he was a bad preacher, but like right. he wouldn't. His him being personal was sharing a film clip yeah. that he enjoyed that that somehow tied into what he was saying that day well and that's the thing is you know sometimes there's such a thing as knowing when to stop being as personal as as that yeah like, no yeah you know it's like yeah we've seen we've seen the whole movie over the course of this last six months but yes uh, that i never wanted to see in the first and then nothing against the internet again but <laughs> i'm sure it's perfectly fine that's fine yeah um so uh I keep saying we should wrap up, and uh, we should wrap up now, but because um, we've been going for almost two hours. Really? So, yeah. Oh my god! Look, it's more than one I'm lesson. Sorry. Is it's that too so long? much fun? Is it's that too late? Long? Our yeah. episodes are regularly two hours. Oh really? Oh okay. so. Um, okay. But yeah, uh, one thing that I that I do try to end on when we have a guest, and it's a very lofty idea, and so if you don't have anything, that's perfectly fine. Okay. Um, do you have any suggestions or advice or just general thoughts for like? Christians looking to get into the industry. Let's stick with stand-up for the time being. Yeah. Um, do you have any suggestions for them? Aside from leave your puppet off, uh, off stage and don't be a mime. <laughs> your mime puppet. Yeah. 
Uh, aside from that, do you have any any thoughts, whether it be like specific industry advice or uh, as far as uh, creating? Well, I mean, the only reason you should do stand up, and I think this is going to sound very pretentious. The only reason you should do anything is that you can't not do it. Mm. That's it. Is it going to lead to fame, fortune, money? As I said, sex, anything. That is not the reason you should do something. You should do something because it's not all right for you to not do it. Yeah. That's the only reason you should do stand up because it's not particularly pleasant. And people say, I'm going to do it. I'm like, please don't do it. You know, or like, I know a couple of writers who are very successful. I'm like, I did it in college. I want to come and do it. I'm like, just you, you're doing great. Why do you want to like mess it up? You know? Well, the only reason is you have to do it. That is the only reason you should do it. It's too hard. There's not that much things could come out of it. Most likely they won't. Yeah. But that's not the reason you do it. The reason you do it is because if you're not, not doing it, it's not good. (laughs) That, that reminds me of a, an interaction that I had back when I was at my church in Missouri where, you know, and that's the thing again, like at that church, small town church in Nixon, Missouri, uh, I'm sure the whole town went probably. <laughs> uh, well, not to mine. There were many. There well, were too many, many churches no, 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 no. for yeah, that small community. Yeah, but, but at my church, people were very supportive of the, of the film thing, which is not what you assume really? when you hear of like a southern church. Oh God, yeah. Um, but one one person, when they heard that I was moving to California, they said a very nice thing. They said like, "Wow, that's so." It's like that's that's so like brave. They're like, you're, you're, you're doing it. You're pursuing your dream. You're doing all that. And I had this thought of like, I don't consider it brave at all. I can't do anything else. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I don't want to do anything else. And I can't, and I literally can't do anything else. I just went, I just spent four years in film school. But at the, but at the sacrifice of like, (laughs) like anything, like you could have a real job and have real money and be able to take vacations and plan Mm -hmm. for things. And like, but it's to the point where like, that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Those things that like you set up your life around that are achievable goals that you see presented, and that's how you live a successful life. Yeah, like I'm not saying you you don't get to have that, but that that's not the right. thing you're going for. You're going for you doing your thing that expresses you, and you it's something that you have to do. Yeah, and it's you know, and I'm doing the film criticism thing right now and uh that's not how i make my money no because i know it's hard to believe but there's not a lot of money in podcasting what? unless you're chris hardwick or uh yes. or adam carolla or something like that yeah. um but i wanted to actually bring this around to you robert me that's right <laughs> i know we all forgot you were here um i didn't but you you did stand up oh, for a short time really um yeah exactly and he t- you didn't hey. come to my room, did you? I wasn't mean to you, was I? No. Okay. And first off, you were hilarious because I went to that because uh, you took a stand-up class, correct? Yeah. The story is uh, who was a teacher? Uh, Barry Weisenberg. Do you know Barry? Hmm. He's uh, he's been kind of doing this for about twenty twenty five years as well, okay. teaching. Yeah, yeah. But he also goes on stage. He's all over the place, and yeah, yeah. he's one of these like one liner, just throw a bunch of one liners, yeah, yeah. just one one liner, yeah. one liner. And he has these ticks that are funny, and he's very energetic on stage. Mm-hmm. Very good guy. Yeah. Um, but the story is, my wife was taking uh, classes at Otis, uh, which is a design school. Oh no, yeah, know. no, I went to Art Center. Yeah. So, so she was there. Was she when it was at MacArthur Park, or when it was? Uh, now it's not by the airport. Marina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she was there, and so she would get these catalogs in the mail for uh, you know other 
colleges you could take classes yeah. and whatnot. And so I was just flipping through one one day, and I saw a stand-up class. I thought, you can take a stand-up class? Oh, and yeah. I, I'm like, Tyler, oh, I'm like, yeah. I love stand-up for my entire life, and I admire the fact that anyone can get up and do that kind of thing. Yeah. And I had this morbid fear of... Yeah. I mean, everyone is afraid of getting... Yes, afraid. yes. But I remember... We're not talking about flop sweat. We're talking about actual sweat. Oh, no. In, yeah. in speech class, yeah. whatever it was, uh, getting up I used to see some of my junior high yearbooks when they like... To the guy who does the Watusi, which was a popular dance at the time, when he does a book report, like I was so nervous, my body physically cannot be contained. <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah. Um, well, so I, I, I thought I saw the ad for it, and I was like, this might be something that can help me get over my, my stage yeah. fright, yeah. my fear of being in front of a crowd. And, uh, and so I started, I went to the first class, and it was only then that I realized this is the stupidest way <laughs> to get over stage fright because not only do you have to get in front of people and speak yeah. but the point is to make them laugh I know which is the hardest and the most egotistical thing anyone could ever think <laughs> yes it's presumptive it's just like yes oh like, so presumptive yes like what I say you're, you're coming here you're joining each other you need to get up that's fine um, in order to, to to hear me say something funny and uh, and so I, I took the first class and then something came up. I had, had ended, up, ended up having to come back to the next uh, the next round of the class, and did pretty good in it. You know, I was super nervous every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the end moment of this entire class was uh, he would put us up in front of a group of, uh, albeit um, you know invited guests, but it was mm-hmm. like fa- family friends, yeah, yeah, yeah. a group yeah. of about sixty people, yeah, yeah. which is terrifying. Yeah. Yes, and it was at the uh, the Improv on Melrose, mm-hmm. which is just this storied institution yeah, of comedy. No, it's like yeah, that's fit. Yeah, it comes with a it's a big deal for yes. I mean for a guy like me who like grew up watching. It's Steve a big deal for anybody to go with the improv. I of course I used that was the fair child there for a while. The, that, I, was, that was ten years ago. I now can't get it, whatever. But but it's, oh, it's it's there's a story it's, there. It's, yeah, it's very like oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the iconic sort of brick wall yes, and yeah, the yeah, piano yeah. and all this yeah. stuff. And uh, I feel like Tyler was there. I didn't even know Tyler was going to be there, yeah. but he was. And uh, I, I feel like I got some good some good feedback, and people mm-hmm. were saying that I was good, even though I was obviously nervous somehow that mm-hmm. fed into it being entertaining you were able to channel that and turn it into a thing which was very effective right and then I did a couple of open mics mm-hmm. and then the last one was like November of 2013 mm-hmm. and then I just didn't do it anymore yeah. and it's not because I don't want to do it some more it's because I never I never really got over that fear and every time I I would I was like up next and the group was only like maybe 14, 15 people yeah. even then I was so mortified. Actually, but that's just like the, these kids. I was in this class, you know, we're having a show, and for the stand-up improv class show, we had like sixty people come. Mm-hmm. I'm like I'm gonna throw up. I'm like, I think the worst thing is to like try to deny that. Hmm. Like that's just natural. Mm-hmm. Like you're just gonna f- feel that, and I think it's it's easier to maintain it's like okay i'm gonna be this way so just deal with it instead of like i can't be nervous i'm not gonna be nervous even though you're everything yeah. about you're like your brain i mean i've been at points where like my mind is telling me one thing my body is telling me something completely different mm-hmm. i'm like why yep. why am i sweating i don't feel nervous i don't feel nervous but my body was reacting in a whole different way i'd kind of intellectually gotten out of like got myself out of it when like my body's like oh no buddy <laughs> well i had my friend video me on my phone um during class when I would get up and do my four or five minutes, yeah. and then during a couple of the open mics, and so I got to see myself, and the way I look on stage is nothing like what I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that I must just be this 
obvious visible mess <laughs> and and that everyone's cringing they're laughing because they're nervous for me as opposed to the joke being funny yeah yeah no. and then I look at the video and I'm like I kind of look like like Dick Cavett, you know, I'm just like, yeah. just like kind of calm and just kind of telling my jokes and I'm like, how is this possible? So if I could just convince myself while I'm on stage that I don't look like how I feel, then I can get through it. But I, I just didn't do it enough. Well, I've, I just think it's like anything, like you have to do it enough where you just don't think about it. Like with the, like, and I've used a skiing metaphor already. I'm sorry. I need to come up with new metaphors, but like I'm skiing and I have to like do this and turn my legs. And like, you finally get to a point where skiing, you're like, I'm just going down the hill. Yeah. Because you don't, th- you know it so well, you just don't, you don't think about it. Yeah, you're just doing it. I just think that's the same with it. Like I'm driving sure. a car. Oh my gosh, there's all this stuff, yeah. and there's a squirrel, and there's a girl. I'm gonna hit that car. You know, like yeah. now I like I drove over here. I didn't think about squirrels. I was concerned about what was on NPR or what song is on my next on my CD. Like I, I didn't, f- I didn't really think about driving that much, even though I didn't hit any, kill anybody. It's good, but I didn't really think about. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm driving. I think it's the same with stand-up. You just, you just kind of anesthetize yourself to the fact that this is this completely natural situation. It's just, it's just like the thing I'm doing. It'll be over in five minutes. Um, probably won't go well. I'll just get up and do it and see what happens. And probably won't go expect, well. <laughs> expectations kill everything. And, that's, and I've been very guilty of like people that like, here comes my joke! And they say it, and, and they have this big look on their face like, and like silence oh, it kills me the worst. Oh. and I've done that too like oh man you're gonna you think you've seen some stand up wait for this <laughs> and I get up there and they're like no seen it I've it's done just, it myself it's just fascinating it's like oh guys listen I'm brilliant and they're like no we'll decide on that ourselves and it makes no like it's just ways like I've seen your- I've seen stand up comedians kill with a certain bit that I'm aware of. Yeah. Then I will see them do that same bit in a different room with a different crowd. Yeah. And it gets nothing. Yeah. And I just think like, what is the difference? Know, it's I like, know. well, each room is different. I know. Each crowd is different. Like it's, it's crazy. I did. I, I used to years ago, I used to do theater and, and I, and I did, I did drama and comedy and all that. And, um, and when you do comedy, even even in a in a play format where it's like the lines are already written and yeah. it's it's already been proven to like this is what will make people laugh and you do it the same as you did in rehearsals and one night such and such a thing got yeah. w- a much larger laugh than it expected sails, yeah. the next night yeah, do it the same yeah. way nothing yeah. and it's just like this is and it, and at, cer- at a certain point it's very easy to like turn to the crowd and be like you guys need to be laughing the crowd before laughed. Yeah. Everyone laughed in rehearsal. What's wrong with you people? Which will never... You're the problem. Which will only just make your hole deeper. <laughs> right. Especially because you're not supposed to break character. It'd be very strange to say that no, but, no, in the but, midst of the boys next don't door. Ha- you don't have to say that <laughs> right. literally to get that across. That's true, actually. Yeah. Um, so, Vance, the reason I brought you here is because we need to pressure Robert into <laughs> doing stand-up right. again. You are very <laughs> good. I've, to- I've told you before, your oh, stand-up just, is very it's, good. It's like... I know so many people because I I ran around for twenty years. I've done it for twenty five years. Oh my god! I know so many great people, and they just don't do it anymore. And I'm like, you should. And I keep saying you should do it, but like, it's so hard to do, even if you want to do it. Hmm. If you're not really into it, oh my no. god, just be nice to yourself. Fair I enough. am into it though. That's the problem. Then you should do it. Yeah, get over this stage fright. Quit my on. job. 
No. Actually, I already did. Don't do so, that. Yeah, you already We're quit good. your job. We're good. That's like people are like, I need, I'm a stand-up. I need to have the days free for your pot smoking. Like, you can have a life and do stand-up. You do. Yeah. I can't get married. I can't have kids to, like, do this and accomplish this and that. I'm like, well, I know. We all think in our minds. We have our... Yeah life's laid out like this will happen this happened this happened like you know what that never happens also i have to assume uh you know married and uh kids is uh will provide you with a lot of good premises oh my god yes you know yeah yeah um which most comedians have no like why is grandpa talking about his kids you know can't (laughs) don't have any pot jokes so (sighs) well we can't get into that um (laughs) just because because it's like oh well now we could talk about uh the different flavors of stand-up we like but you know what we can always have you back to talk about uh, just dish about other comedians um that would be great but yeah my favorite topic so okay um this was a lot of fun it was longer than expected but that's okay because it flew by hopefully listeners um Listeners, you can email me, Tyler, at morethanonelesson.com. You can uh, like our page on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter, at morelessons. Robert, where can people find you? Are, you're on Twitter, correct? I, I, I think so. Oh, I think we right. go through this every single time. <laughs> you don't tweet that often. I don't tweet, no. You don't tweet. You don't do stand-up. You just sit around looking at the wall. Pretty much. Ugh. Robert, <laughs> for inspiration. Look, and I know I've said it before, and it's been a joke before, but now I really mean it. You're the worst. Good. All right. Um, no, he can take it. Right, Robert? Pretty much. The boys are fighting. <laughs> I have so many holes in my heart right now. Oh, that's right. You need to get that looked at. You got to get that insurance. Um, Vance, where can people find you online? Uh, at Twitter. Okay. Uh, What's your handle? Vance Sanders. You're making sense. At Twitter. Okay. Uh, I have a Facebook page. That's not particularly spectacular. Most, <laughs> most of the world does. Um if you want to see my graphic design work, you can go to vantsanders.squarespace.com and uh, I have a lot of artwork and I sell Christmas cards there. Hmm. So uh, you can go there. Uh, I do shows around Los Angeles all the time. Sometimes I tweet or Facebook about them, but I can imagine anyone coming out. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> gotta, I'm not going to put butts in the seat is what I'm saying about myself. got to do a better job selling yourself. Your yes, I know. But. <laughs> I do, I, good, think you're I do good shows with uh, good people. Mm-hmm. Uh, like last time I did the Milton, I followed David Cross. I'm like, oh my God, it raised her to see David Cross. So. And they were. But they liked you. <laughs> my wife fell asleep during David Cross's set. Because he was like, he looked like, if you saw him just walking down the street, you would not recognize him. He'd gained about, he's not a large guy, mm-hmm. but he gained about 15 pounds, 15, 20 pounds. He had like a lumberjack shirt on, really like long beard, hat, uh, just kind of mumbly, fumbly, like going through, did I already tell this joke? I can't remember. Hmm. Did you, did I already tell you this? <laughs> Why wasn't he trying? He doesn't, doesn't have to. to. He's a big star. Uh, yeah. Lame. Because he's before, a name. The time before that, I followed Mark Maron, who's like, I I don't even want to be here tonight. Why am I here? This is dumb. Why do I have to come to this tonight? This is stupid. Mark Marin. I'm sure people ate it up, right? Well, kind of. And then I followed him and I killed. And then the same thing with David Cross. Like, a lot of my adult friends came to see me after Mark Marin came to see me when I did uh, follow David Cross in January. And they're like, wow, you could really get a lot of jokes. And I'm like, yeah, because I work like crazy to make it all come together. And like, no. you know. Like a comedian does. Like work on this thing and this doesn't work and I need to put this here and you know, I got a lot, I, yeah, I got a lot of time in because I get to do that show once a year and I'm not going to screw around. I don't mm-hmm. like, the, I'm not the big star that like, 
you love me, whatever, and I don't have to do anything. I don't have to prove anything. Yeah. I'm just, uh, I'm already, I'm already arrived. Which is where all the other comedians are like, please like me, please. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Sorry. Okay. We got to. I'm not saying about Brad Marmarin and David Cross. They've got giant careers. And In case they're listening people, to this. You, yes. Those, I have I'm to sure they often do listen to this podcast. To Christian podcast yes. just to know yes. what people are saying about yes. them. Yeah. That's just, I'm not saying anything bad about them, but it was one of the things like, oh my God, I have to follow the star. I'm like, oh my. Yeah, I got to follow the star and guess who won. So, Oh man, oh. watch out. Yeah. Take that. There's, that, there's that competition. Take that talking. world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Vance, thank you so much for being here. Oh, oh, Watch sorry, out. Sorry, sorry. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Uh, Robert, as yes. always, thank you. Awesome. Great to be here. And listeners, thank you for listening, and we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.